Hello everyone, welcome to Riot Act. This is episode 67. Fuck me, Renfrey, 67 episodes we've done yeah. this bastard. Two away, just two more. What, so you can do some pervy... Is that what we're going to review cunts? <laughs> <laughs> There's an album called Cunts, a band. to be super clear. A band, band called Cunts. Yeah, band yeah, yeah, yeah. The album's um, called Cunts as well. well. But anyway, thanks for tuning in to episode 67 of Riot Act, yeah, the alternative music Sorry podcast. if this is the first show you tuned into and you don't like swearing. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would suggest you won't be here for very long anyway, so. So I'm not going to worry too much about it. But anyway, regardless, hi, first timers. My name's Stephen Hill. Uh, his name's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. We are the hosts. We have a massive, massive, massive show today. An absolutely huge show. There's been big news across the board since yeah. we last recorded. There has been a plethora of gigs from all manner of artists that we, me and Renfrey have been to. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing the first of two weeks running where one of us kind of curates the show for a week yeah so Renfrey has picked 10 albums from this year which we haven't featured on the show they're all Renfrey's picks and we'll be talking about those 10 albums today uh as well as doing all the other stuff that I just mentioned not necessarily what you'd expect though if I may be so bold um because uh you know I assume you would expect that I'd have 10 instrumental albums there's only mm. one in, out of my picks yeah uh, so, uh, uh, there's, there's stuff that I know you like I think people unless you are listening to it the first time all right. Then <laughs> you don't know this guy is at all. Uh, but I think if you have been listening for a while, you probably know that Renfrey doesn't just like instrumental post-rock records. It's just that I like to say that because it's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's not annoying at all. <laughs> yeah, musicism.net are our friends. Uh, go to musicism.net. Yeah, sorry about that. We do like the guys at musicism.net. They're very, very good to us. And they provide you, the aspiring musician, if you want to get yourself into the world of music, but you think, I just don't have the skills, man. Uh, when you do like they're a like, lot of musicians who are currently in it don't have the skills but you know they do it anyway yeah if you want the skills rocky at the start think if, if you're an early rocky balboa musicism are very much mickey as portrayed uh, <laughs> in an oscar-winning role by burgess meredith uh <laughs> you ain't got the skill kid <laughs> i'm just an old washed up piece of meat um anyway but they, they don't talk like that luckily uh they do do courses online tutorials online tutorials for the budding singer and guitarist and producer as i said it's 9.99 a month if you want to sign up for those courses or you can get 25 25 off if you put the word riot in capital letters in the checkout i ran out well. of breath i thought you did very well ran out of breath there as well um anyway so uh should we crack straight on with all the big shit that's been going on yeah, we, we better because better i do really uh my chemical romance are back Ooh. They're playing next year on the 20th of December. They're going to be playing a show in LA. They've actually announced three shows since then. Next in New year. Zealand. You mean this year? No. What? 2020. They're playing LA in Dece on the 20th of December next year. And then they're going straight out to download Australia and download Japan. Download Japan. Japan at the gates. My Chemical Romance. There's a Venn diagram you don't often <laughs> see together. Uh, yeah, they're playing a show in New Zealand, download Australia and download Japan. That's too with, far away. They're doing a show in New Zealand with Jimmy Eat World um, and oh. they do it. I think Deftones are, are subheadlining them at download Goodbye. Australia. Um, I can't remember who else is playing but anyway, that's just a few but My Chemical Romance are back. Mm. That's something which I feel like people five years younger than me are extraordinarily excited about mm -hmm. 
I ten years younger than me, so yeah, I was never, I never really. I I like Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, and that's about. I like it. Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge as well. Yeah, I think it's really, it's a really, really good record. Yes, I agree. I think the Black Parade has its moments. Yeah. Um, the title track or the almost title track, Welcome to the Black Parade, I mm-hmm. never want to hear ever again. Mm-hmm. When I, I was a young boy. Literally, literally just said. Send me into the city. Literally just said. I never want to hear it again. Sorry. Uh, because. Um, to see oh. much better. Go on. Go. Uh, because it was um, it was on Scuzz a lot. He said okay. someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go on sorry um and um but yeah i mean a lot of people were very excited and i get it because they were a big band, huge huge band a huge band <laughs> i don't feel like this is like going in on on the subjects as much as we, they were a big band weren't well they? <laughs> what they were was the last true crossover subgenre from the world of alternative music that's why you're on this show. Yes, exactly. Well, I think there's lots of reasons why I'm on this show. <laughs> Just to finally, See, it's here, the only one sat here for 66 episodes <laughs> saying nothing, and finally, my chemical romance come along, and Stephen Hill, who famously is ambivalent towards them, has got something to do other than go, oh yeah, to Rimfrey's blathering. That is not fair. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I have one my chemical romance album that I really like, and I have to say. It took me a long time. I really had to work to like Three Cheers because the first time I heard it, I was like, this is crap. And over time, I sort of learnt to appreciate it. I don't think I ever thought it was crap, but I certainly, the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't really get what the fuss is about. Yeah, yeah, me too. And then I realised those songs were really in my head. Yeah, there's some really great songs on that. And I do think, like you say, The Black Parade uh, is up and down a record. Like you say, it's got some good songs on it. It's got some pretty pretty bad song yeah as well. it's it's a very it's a very um bold brave interesting record yeah it's definitely interesting but it's uh you know people who are like oh it's an absolute modern classic and all that i'm like well it's very up and down isn't mm. it there's and good it, stuff on it though. and there's some all right stuff on danger days as well i think i mean that's probably even more patchy as a record. Do you know what i i i've heard i think i heard danger days once that's okay. how i'm just i'm just not in, I just yeah. lost interest entirely. But I think it is cool that they're back. Um, it's been what 2011, 2012. I remember they played. They headlined Reading in 2011, didn't they? And that was the last time I remember them being. Yeah, that's that seems about right. And it feels like the cult of My Chemical Romance, which was massive at the time, big enough for them to headline Reading, has kind of grown over the years. Weirdly, as emo and alternative rock has suffered. My Chemical Romance seem to continue to that they're, they're as they've got bigger in their absence as the scene around them has grown smaller, which is an mm. odd thing. I think it has grown smaller, although you know, sorry to be contrary, but I also think that the quality of that sort of scene has got oh, better. It's uh, got better. I mean, it depends. When I think of emo now, I think of bands like um, uh, "The World Is a Beautiful Place" and "I'm No Longer Afraid to Die." <laughs> You're um, well off here, mate. I'm not really playing. <laughs> no, but I think that's what I or or I told you. Yeah, sorority uh, noise or something like. Do you know what I mean? Something like that. When you think of emo, I know what I you're saying. I feel like it's kind of. I feel like it's kind of morphed into that. Hasn't Emo's it? gone back to being what emo originally yeah. could be. Well, you can look at it that way. You can also look that's at the way it I like. To look at it. Well, yeah, you can choose to look at it that way, but and, and I'm, I'm sure that those bands grew up listening to My Chemical Romance and, and they had a fairly big impact on them. However. Uh, I would probably point you in the direction of the endless amount of um, 
you know, bands who play the main stage at Slam Dunk. Yes. As to, you know, why the quality has diminished quite badly. That's absolutely true. That's fair enough. If you look at the bands that came up and around Mm. uh, My Chemical Romance themselves, yes, Mm. they have the most Mm -hmm. most amazing quality. I feel a bit sad that it's take that it, it's continuing to take bands reforming for people to get excited. And we'll talk about this more in a second with the other big story of the week. But um, My Chemical Romance feels like a bigger deal than a lot of bands because they've been, this is the first time they've reformed and they have left it, you know, they've at least left it seven years. Still doesn't feel like that big a gap. I know. When I think of the bands that I wanted to reform, you know, some, sometimes it'd be 20 odd years mm. or, you know, you refused, so you pixies or you, yeah. whatever. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that counts. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting you saying that like their star has obviously grown. I, I didn't realise that they'd been in the ascent at all until this announcement. And then just seeing my entire timeline and Twitter feed or whatever. Mm, which go, I can't see anymore. Yeah. I, sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> um, uh, Steve's been banned from Twitter. For those I have. Follow me on Instagram. Thanks. <laughs> Not going back. Um, I, I was kind of amazed. I, I was amazed that so many people who I didn't think would care, care, I suppose. Mm. But then, you know, great. Good. <laughs> like, well, mate, I, I mean, I remember know. when Kiss reformed in 1996 or put the makeup back on and that must have only been, I mean, makeup going back on would have been a good sort of 14, 13, 14 years. But Kiss as a band, they hadn't actually sort of stopped. Um, it was just the, the original lineup hadn't been together for a long time. But, you know, I, at the time I was like, what's the fucking big deal? Kiss. So, you know, who cares? But people a lot older than me were losing their shit about it. And I think, you know, obviously it's going to be, it is those bands that are big, I'm, they're, they're, it's a generational thing. And I don't think yeah. I was probably a little bit too old to really get the full, like, love with My Chemical Romance because I already yeah. knew what emo was and I already had AFI yeah. and Alkaline Trio yeah, and bands same. like that. So I wasn't, you know, we I, I got into Thursday and bands like that. So yeah. I couldn't really, I could, I'd never got as invested in My Chemical Romance. But I think... I'm excited to see what they'll do and how they'll yeah. sound and what they'll look like and where they fit in the modern era. Yeah, same. I mean, like, one thing I will say the for modern my modern era. They went away in 2012. <laughs> <mad>. <laughs> they were always an interesting band. And in terms of, like, you know, are they going to come back and do, like, a greatest hits package of all of their different styles? Because they had, like, a different sort of... <laughs> they almost had like different costumes for each yeah. uh era didn't they you know mm-hmm. and, like i mean what's it going to be is it going to be a totally new thing is it going to be new material also i suppose it's interesting to you know obviously they're doing download in different countries would they potentially do download in the uk i guess it'd be in 2021 now and um would it have the response that it had last time the last time my chemical romance played uh, download they were bottled off stage bottled. well i don't think they bottled did. they the, were bottled, they were bottled continuously yeah. I, yeah. I don't i think they stayed on stage they did, yeah um but you know i wasn't there i don't this. imagine so because i think at this point like people have i mean even amazingly when it got announced i looked on the metal hammer facebook page and even the comments there like 
so many of them were positive. Like I actually, mm. when we, it would have been 2013 that they the, that Hammer did a special, they did a My Chemical Romance special, and I and um, Merlin Alderslade, the editor, the now editor of Metal Hammer, was given that sort of one-off mag to edit, and he said to me like, you know, I know it's not your favourite thing, but do you want to do a little bit of, um, you know, writing about the sort of the early years of the band and them touring with Thursday, and then I yeah. wrote a thing about what is emo. I think I wrote one of the things I wrote was Ar- My Chemical Romance, even emo. Yeah, because I was going, look, if rights to spring, <laughs> what's this got to do with rights to spring, really? And and, and Jeff Rickley produced their first album, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the production on it is abysmal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, but um, th- and I remember it coming out, and the comments then were still absolutely, this in 2013, were vitriolic. Yeah. Absolutely oh, vitriolic. Yeah. And they don't appear to have been so didn't, much this time. Didn't I they think, appear on the cover of Hammer once as well? Quite or a few am, times. Am I, yeah, yeah. They yeah, were yeah, the yeah. first, Hammer were the first magazine to put Mike M on the cover. And right. now, they're not even going to cover them, I don't think. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's just a reflection on, I think that's a reflection on metal rather than on sort of My Chemical Romance, really. Do you know yeah, I mean? probably. Um, and how that magazine sort of changed over the years, which is how it's changed. Mm. Uh, uh, but but yeah, but I, I mean, I don't I, I'm, I don't think they'd get bottled off stage if they came back and did download now. Not at all. No, I don't think so. I can't imagine it. It would feel really... I don't think they'd pull an absolutely massive crowd. I mean, it's a weird crowd, isn't it, Download? Because essentially what they want is things they you you can't really have, which is what they want is they want soil to be able to head, sell out four nights at the O2. That's what those people want. <laughs> <laughs> but they can't have it. So you're stuck with, you've got to have bands that are big enough to play, but you don't really like bands that are big enough to play because the majority of people that go Download like pretty fucking... Crap, new metal. You said it, I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a difficult one. I think Download would be stupid to book my chem. I think it'd be stupid. Do you to, think so? Yeah, I think. I th- well, actually, in this country, I think. Yeah, I think my chem would be stupid to accept. Mm. That's what I think. I don't think Download would be stupid to try and book them. I think Download really should try and book them. I probably worded that wrong. I think my chem should go nah, and they should probably go nah to uh, to Reading as well. Yeah, what do you think they should do then? Do their own show. Okay, stadium. Yeah, I think. Do you they think could, so? I think they could do no. They could do Finsbury Park or you know All Points East, something like that. Mm. <sighs> mm, I think maybe. if you got a bill know. at like Milton Keynes Bowl, mm. I mean, mm. like an Ordea kind of thing. Yeah, and you put on. Well, let's look at the, they've, they've already picked like Jimmy Eat World supporting them. Yeah, take it. Cre- got our creeper, haven't you? Really, like you'd be the mad not to have creeper. Do, yeah. um, and put a bill together of all those bands with some of the newer ones. I mean, I suppose you're going to get the your water parks and whoever. I mean, obviously Creeper mm. are an obvious one, but I think they could put a really strong bill of that together, and it would be bigger than. Like, I don't think they're they're too big for Slam Dunk, really, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. are too big for Slam Dunk, yeah. and that's the only you know they're they're not. It's yeah, you'd think it would be download or nothing really, but we've seen what's happened to Muse and Biffy Clyro at Download before and they've they've played Download before and got bottled off stage. So I'd be a little bit like, well, no, I'm good. Mm. Anyway, don't do Reading, uh, Mike and Walker Romance. Um, You're going to manage. Is is this your, you should manage them. Oh, fucking love it. Well, yeah, Gerard Way and (laughs) Mikey Way, Frank Iero, if you're listening. Um, I'll manage you. Yeah, big time. (laughs) This is a call out to uh, my chemical romance. Headlining the second stage at Damnation. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, and also back, um, and this is what I'm talking about. Odd. Uh, what I'm things. talking about. Rage Against the Machine have reformed again. Uh, <laughs> headlining Coachella in 2020, where they will play to a half full field full of hipsters waiting impatiently to shout "fuck you, what you I won't do what you tell me." <laughs> Great booking. Great booking. Um, uh, oh, the, I just can't tell how you feel about this. Uh, <laughs> They are so out of the fucking loop if they think Coachella is a good festival for them to play. I think Coachella is... Isn't Coachella like king of comebacks, though? I mean, I'm thinking yeah. Guns N' Roses. Yeah, know, but Guns N' Roses have way more immediate hits than... And also, you're going back to 2015, and I think Coachella has progressed to, you know, Instagram Olympics at this point. <laughs> Um, I don't uh, know enough about it, really. Oh, wow, that's just pretty horrible, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, <coughs> but I assume that, like they'll be doing other dates around Oh, yeah, as well, they'll definitely they? do other dates. They're just going to do this one. I think they're going to do it. And they probably have already been booked for Reading and it'll be a horrific look into the future uh, <laughs> when they play Reading and everyone's off watching ASAP Rocky on the second stage. <laughs> and they're playing to nine old men who've got in for free. <laughs> Hey, we'll be two of them. Yeah. Um, actually, we won't. Not at Reading. Um, I mean, is, is, this is the third time they've reformed. Is that correct? Yeah. I feel like it's the third time. It is the third time, yeah. They even um, put a thing out, what I liked about this. They said, I'm afraid Prophets of Rage have split up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. Oh, boo-hoo. Sure. <laughs> it's never all good news, is it? <clears throat> um, you mean Chuck D's going to go and do Public Enemy again? No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, so I, we probably have slightly different views on this because um, bit, of a, <laughs> bit of a confession. I never saw Rage Against the Machine back in today. To, uh, not today, as in the day. Uh, you, you've seen them though? I have seen them live once um, at the Finsbury Park uh, free show. Um, but that's it. Is it? Yeah. That was good, that show. It was very good. Yeah. And I... Um, yeah, enjoyed it immensely. And so the idea of seeing Rage again for me is actually quite exciting because I only saw them once. Uh, I'm guessing you've seen them half a dozen I've seen times. them. Oh, let's go through it. Oh, this will be fun for people. It will be fun for people. I saw them at Reading. Mike cut this. Reading 96. I saw them at the Astoria. Uh, I saw them at... Uh, I saw them twice at Reading. I saw them at Reading 2000 as well. Oh. And I saw them at Wembley Arena. Lovely. And then I saw them at... Uh, Finsbury Park That's and I'll them at download six. six times lovely stuff mm. well done you win yeah. um, so but so I suppose for you it's going to be a manner, matter of diminishing returns but once again speaking to people um, either my age or actually in the main a couple of years younger than me um, they're really fucking excited because well, they haven't seen them live I'm excited to a point because what I will say is Rage at Download and I thought the Finsley Park show was great, mm. but Rage at Download was absolutely unbelievable. Like oh, right. they, they came a week later and played to you know a far bigger crowd at Download. You're looking at sort of ninety thousand people, and they were amazing. It was the day after ACDC played, and I'd argue they blew ACDC off stage. I thought they were fucking incredible that weekend. Really, really brilliant. I mean, uh, obviously it's my only time, but if they were better than Finsbury Park, then mm. yeah, well, because I, I that Finsbury Park show was, I thought. I kind of went to the free one because I thought I was just going to be disappointed. Yeah. And then I wasn't. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, Zach Della Rocha 
bring so much, obviously so much. It's such a different chemistry because having seen Prophets of Rage, who were great, like live were great, but Chuck D, and I think I've said this before, Chuck D and Be Real uh, are rappers trying to sing punk songs. Mm. Whereas Zach De La Rocha is a punk rapping mm. and actually being able to rap as well. So he brings so much, such a higher, uh, more aggressive levels of energy to Rage Against the Machine that as great as those two are, like I really like Cypress Hill, I fucking love Public Enemy, but they, you definitely lose something with those two. And that was a problem with Prophets of Rage before you even get into their, their own material. Uh, I would love to think that there can be new Rage Against the Machine material. Yeah, do you want that's, that? That's what I would like to think because I don't like the idea, and I've said this before, I've said it about Refused, I've said it about The Drive-In, I've said it about um, System of a Down, mainly about System of a Down. Coming back and not giving people anything, mm. uh, I don't really like. But I struggle to think of what Rage Against the Machine in 2019 could actually sound like, which would make me happy do you know what i mean i would like to hear a rage against the machine album written with uh, the current american administration well i'm sure they'll do that i mean I they're gonna be like <laughs> fucking house prices are too expensive in no 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 but that... uh, don't, don't worry about trump though he's fine but i'm no, sure no would... but but that's my point yeah. i i think i wonder if things that are happening in the world would be enough of a fire under the uh what's that phrase would light enough of a fire yeah i i definitely think it would i mean i think undoubtedly it would and you know that's kind of why prophets of rage were born but that didn't really happen for them what i mean is i think sonically rage against machine this is the again this is the problem with these bands they're so forward thinking so cutting edge at the time you know that first rage against machine well the first two rage against machine albums i would say sound still sound so far ahead of the game in rock music and in kind of crossover rap rock terms even today that you know much like the shape of punk to come that's an impossible standard for you to be able to reach and mm. i think you have to find a way to do something else and it be as good like i mean who's a good example i guess a band like faith no more always is the band that i kind of go mm. to mm. or napalm death i mean napalm death have just con kind of continued but if you look at a band who are you know sort of 15 odd albums into their career you look at napalm death we were talking about swans last week mm. you look at the way that swans have adapted from you listen to cop and then you listen to leaving meaning mm. Mm. you know it's mm. just not yeah. the same band but then yeah. how do you do that with a nearly 20 year gap between records yeah. and the fact that you know your music is so pretty much solely powered on incendiary polemic and sort of righteous indignation and anger and fury and passion and energy like that's really hard to do yeah yeah i can't i have <sighs> nothing more to add yeah, yeah yeah fair so we'll see i mean the thing is what you can guarantee is uh, that the, the shows will be incredible i'm sure they will be yeah i'm sure they will be i mean um that music is there's something so primal about rage isn't there there's just something about it that gets people going even people who don't want to admit that they like um rap uh no no sorry um, left-wing politics no <laughs> killing in the name right yeah if it comes on like can't help but like i mean to be honest i i killing in the name for me is a song that i feel like i don't need to ever hear again oh me me neither but yeah. when it comes on i still can't help but like 
move to it or whatever. Just good. that is good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so and there's just something there's just something extinctively primal about that music, which is just difficult not to yeah. lose your shit to. I mean, yeah, I I because I'm always like, eh, killing the name there, but then you get bam 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 yeah, and then it comes in and he's just like When I was a young boy. Anyway, they're both good. They're both good. Um Killing in the Black Parade. Yeah. So title. Killing in the Black Parade. Renfrey. You've done it, and I don't care who knows it. Uh, so Rage are back, My Chemical Romance is back. I think that's a good thing. I would just wish that they were... If I do have one wish about these reformations... You've which got several wishes. I have got several wishes, but the one thing I would say, and I've probably... Probably... <laughs> yeah, that terrorism would perform. That's why I would. <laughs> and, um, 90s reference, ignore uh, us. Uh, and I just... I wish they were banned... I think there are bands of a similar caliber, but I just don't think they pull as many people. And we'll talk about Creeper's comeback in a minute and how fucked off Creeper must have been when <laughs> My Chemical Romance reformed the day before they played their first gig in a year. But, you know, uh, it does feel like when a band like, like when Kiss and when Black Sabbath reformed back in our day, we still went, yeah, but we've got we've got Corn and we've got Radiance Machine and we've yeah. got bands as no, I mean, obviously, no, they were not as big as that, but you know, you got to a point where it's like system of a down and slipknot and stuff. We're, we're as big as you, yeah. we're as big as you know, corn were bigger than Iron Maiden around those days, like around those they days, just yeah. were, yeah, 98, and, 99, definitely. yeah, pre Bruce getting back in the band, yeah, yeah, and um, and they've kind of they're going to come back now, system and Mike Chem, and they will dwarf everybody, absolutely dwarf everybody, mm. and I think that is a bit of a bit of a shame does that mean that we're gonna have just do you think the downloads of this world are just going to turn into are they just going to rely on bands reforming well i mean it'll get to the point where those bands are gone and they're gone forever like black sabbath are gone forever motorhead i mean not the motorhead can headline but they're a legendary band motorhead are gone forever you're never gonna get led zeppelin um aerosmith was split up you know I know fucking, but Motley Crue have split. Like all of those bands mm. that have split up that potentially at one time or another could have headlined. Linkin Park aren't going to come back. I very much doubt. Neither a Soundgarden or Audio Slave. Um, so it's going to have to be reunions that's going to keep these festivals afloat, isn't it? But yeah, but it will come to the point where, I mean, who's going to reunite? Who, do you know what I mean? Like when, I don't know, when have Mice and Men split up? And then they reform five years later. <laughs> they're not going to be headlining download. Mm. Yeah. So that th- you've got to get at least that big now. I mean, it's very, very rare. Who's done it? Refused? Refused them maybe at the drive-in. I guess Faith No More, when they split up, weren't big enough to headline festivals in this country. And they came back and did one as the big comeback. And now they're probably not big enough to again. Oh, anymore. yeah. But, but those are far different... Um... Sorry, refusing out the drive-in are far different. You're talking two thousand trees yeah. level there rather than download. Level yeah, of course. Yeah. There, so. so yeah, for download, poor or or similar size festivals to download, Reading won't care. Reading will just book whoever's big in. It'll be Billie Eilish or you know whoever's big in hip hop, and yeah. as it should be, really. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's not a, a cool day out for me. But it's. You it's know. just it's just more of, oh, I feel really depressed about this. It's just more ammunition for the whole kind of like rocks are dying genre though, isn't it? Yeah. 
just fucks me up. There was someone I saw the other day, and in the top fifty, um, the top fifty streamed artists on Spotify, there was one rock band, and I used the term rock band very lightly because it was Five Seconds of Summer. Oh fuck! And they're the only thing that you could have classed as rock in any way whatsoever. So you know that. <laughs> It's, I'm currently writing a piece um, for uh, a sort of an opinion piece for Louder, which is the sort of Metal Hammer classic rock site. Mm. Um, looking back at this whole decade and going, what is the state of rock music now? And it's kind of becoming, this is the decade where rock music really, in terms of its commerciality, it, it, has, it has died. It really has. Like in terms of its appeal as a, across the board like they said to me in this sort of the brief like who could play sunday brunch from <laughs> big rock bands it's like bring me the horizon the only ones really mm. baby metal as baby a, metal as a curiosity maybe or well, maybe but I, I did say it with a upward <laughs> yeah, inflection I think you'd struggle to get baby metal on hence sunday the upward brunch. inflection yeah but you know what who gives a fuck? If people can't be bothered, <laughs> yeah. if people don't want to bloody seek out good music, then, you know, that's that's up to them. I'm not going to fucking force them to do anything. Um, but if you What's are, the point of this show, then? <laughs> well, to, to the people that want to. Yeah, I'm going to go running point. down the street like fucking in my, like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. <laughs> throwing, going, ah, I, I take... You have to listen to clipping now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I take people's phones off them on the bus and like subscribe to our podcast and then <laughs> chuck it back in. Yeah. Well, good. Um... But if you do want to... That's what stats Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's been on a lot of buses. Uh, an Art Tangent announcement as well, Renfrey. This is what hey. I was going to say. Yes, here um, we go. That's a nice little segue. Yeah, well, um, about second into... Drop my pen, good, don't worry. Music. Um, big, big announcement from Art Tangent. Opeth headlining. Hello. We'll talk about Friday Opeth night. in a minute. Lovely stuff. Tesseract, Eamon Ra, Ishan, This Will Destroy You, Perturbator, Rolo Tomasi, Earth Tone 9, Ghost, Not Papa... No, no, uh, G-O-S-T. Goss. Yeah, the uh, the synth wave, dark wave thing. Giraffes, giraffes, Frontera. Giraffes? Giraffes? Okay, I'll let you do that. Um, Frontera, Racket Cannon, Bodyhound, Svalbard, Oms, Stake, Quell versus Kenny, Scalping, Curses Metal Hands, Boss Keloid, Vaza, Luo, The K, Mountain Caller, Tank Engine, Fez, and... Brickville? Brickville. 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 You did very well there. You only pronounced mispronounced one. Vasa. But there we go. Very good. Vasa. Uh, yeah. So that's a. You know, I I I will defer to you for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But that's a pretty pretty strong announcement for a first go, isn't it? It is tip fucking top. Uh, it's so tip top. Uh, it was actually announced today as we were recording, and uh, the Art Tangent website has been down most of the day. Um, yeah. Probably due to Opeth fans going absolutely wild. Yeah. Quite a few of them are UK uh, exclusives as well. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's pretty pretty impressive how they've managed to swing that. But um, Opeth are uh, exclusive, I think. Tesseract are as well, I believe. I believe Armenra are as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, I think it's a really strong first showing and it's kind of, it's a very metal-y one. Um, it's quite metal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it means that, 
I imagine the next one will probably be less metally. I would have thought. I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> I might know something. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty. I mean, I I, I <laughs> for me, how many bands have they announced there? Like, lots. can't be bothered to count. Lots can't be bothered to count. <clears throat> I want to see like two-thirds of them honestly yeah i know this is my festival uh, mm. not like literally my festival <laughs> to be super clear but as in it's my favorite festival um but you know i like literally i do want to see two-thirds of those bands i mean opeth Menra, tesseract ishan this will destroy you rollo tomasi earth tone nine frontier racket cannon oms svalbard steak kirstie smell hands vassa body hand you know yeah i want to see mountain caller i want to see most of what they've announced it's good yeah i mean I've, what i will say in comparison with actually to be honest i had seen a no last year in all there was a lot of stuff that i was like oh i've not seen them Ooh. you know like daughters uh. just jump out at me battles i hadn't seen either um i pretty much i have seen everything on this yes. announcement i have which is not a bad thing i mean i've been going to gigs for a fucking long time and i go to a lot of gigs so obviously you've seen everything you want to see or you've seen everything you know you want to see if that makes yes. sense. yes yeah, yeah yeah and i think i mean arc tangent are very good at pulling out bands that don't normally play and and or or certainly don't or, or putting headliners in that would never normally get a headline slot and then giving them that chance and that opportunity. Yeah. Um, maybe that will come with another announcement. I don't know. I actually genuinely don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, obviously the, the Opeth announcement has done a lot for them. I mean, Opeth is a bit of a change for them. Yeah. A, a little bit just going yeah. into those. Proggier super super proggy like mm. they've always had prog bands but never at such a high position mm. and prog um is a genre which either it's very love it or hate it isn't mm. it for a lot of people so uh but it does seem that the people who are excited about it are super excited about it. i mean just before we carry on talking about opeth i just want to say the cool thing about it is relative to matthew doing two sets to playing two of their mm-hmm. albums in full i believe grievances, grievances and, time, and will time will die yeah and um, two best albums and oms are doing a kind of interact they've done a soundtrack or a score to a film i believe a short film and they're oh, awesome. playing that along with the with the film so that's like it's not just oh look they're playing they're doing something yeah, special yeah, yeah. for that which I think is cool which is very much in the roadburn sort of tradition of yeah. getting the cool things which is not really a festival over here that has managed to do that so I think it's good that ATG are um, are going for that kind I th- of aesthetic that's I th- that's I think, really cool I think in the last couple of years they have been bear in mind you know Kirsty's Metal Hands are a band that formed because of Arc Tangent you know? yeah so so but I think that's something that they are very much trying to do more of going into the future yeah. Yeah, yeah um but in terms of opeth i mean as them as a headliner as them as a live band i mean we had a pretty good indication of what that might be like when we went to see them at the palladium in london last week renfrey so and good. therein goes the switch from talking about stuff that's happened this week into the live review segment. That was actually when I said so good. That's what I was referring to. I was yeah. referring to the amazing switch. Pretty it's like, it's like, you, like, have you ever been on radio? I've been on radio. Ah, yeah. I'm not. They surprised. hated me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see what it is is you do something good like that, and then you go, "Wasn't that good?" And people go, "No, I would, it would have been if you hadn't have said anything." You fucking idiot. Um, so Opeth at the Palladium in London. I got there um, 
after the support band who the were Vintage, vintage Caravan. Caravan. Yes, I didn't see the playing. Vintage Caravan either. So we can really just talk about Opeth. Mm. First of all, I want to shout out, massive shout out to um, Kirsten... Uh, Kirsten and Michelle. And, and Michelle, who are Opeth's press people, yeah. for getting us fucking outrageously brilliant Thank tickets. you very much. We were like fucking five rows from the front, we were right we in were, the middle. We were in row F, yeah. We had amazing seats yeah. so thank you they i mean were, this is a little this is a little brilliant it's a little self-indulgent to well say i think you know uh, i but, but thank it, you it just it made really the gig nice. like it just made the gig because my mate jamie went and he was like oh, i've got pretty good seats he was on the balcony yeah about like yeah. nine rows from the back but on the on the side and he was like man i've got a spare ticket and if your seats aren't very good come and sit with me and he texted me and he was like hey look where i am mate good good seats here and i was like you're fucking kidding me <laughs> You see where I am. We should probably mention that, though, in terms of uh, sound. I had a few friends on the balcony as well. And um, I've been to the Palladium for shows before. I think I saw Ghost there. The Papa Emirates one. Yeah. God, that's getting annoying. Um, and um, uh, having these shows in theatres is really fucking cool. It's really nice to have like a different atmosphere and a different mm. vibe. It feels a bit weird sometimes, which we'll probably go into a little bit. Um, but it's often very, very quiet. Mm. um and i uh, apparently up in the balcony it felt a little bit quiet right. where we were it was oh, great when that when they're playing deli- that last riff from deliverance oh, at the end which was just so great they ended with um the the one two uh sorceress and deliverance were the the, sort of the last that was two a songs great encore the, the encore yeah mm, yes please. fucking brilliant like yeah. absolutely brilliant I, i've not gone back to um sorceress not sorceress sorry i've not really gone back to sorceress uh it made me want to but it, been, that had, made me want to because yeah. it sounded amazing but particularly that last riff of deliverance which it felt like they played for about nine minutes yes uh yeah. was amazing it sounded super crunchy yeah. it was great yeah so you know, I was saying when uh, in a calder da vinium. In calda venunium. Yeah. Um, it's Latin. Yeah. Uh, when that came out, I said, this is my favourite of the four from the kind of current, what I guess what you call the full pro- full-blown prog iteration of Opeth. You did. That's I my favourite of the that. four. And um, the, uh, the set made me absolutely rammed home that I definitely think that is the case okay cool i definitely think it is um they did a few from uh of the weird like as michael pointed out the weird ones some of the weirder ones from some of the from pale communion yes uh, um uh moon above sun below would be yes. the main one which which is like 13 minutes uh yeah odd odd song um but i i remember saying to you as we were leaving if you're gonna hear that material live I'd much rather hear it sat down yes. in a lovely plush theatre seat yeah, than stood up at the Roundhouse or Brixton Academy. Uh, both venues that I've seen Opeth at and both venues where I do remember being a bit like, oh, mm. got itchy legs. Yeah, it really suited Opeth. I mean, I have to say, I, I've i only ever seen Opeth at festivals before. So I've never what? seen them. Yeah, and I've never been to an Opeth gig. You're kidding. No, I haven't. I don't know why that is because I really like Opeth. And particularly, particularly going back 10 years, I was fucking obsessed with Opeth. Yeah. So it's weird that I never got a chance to go and see them or why I didn't go and see them. I'm, I'm stunned. Yeah. So I never, I've never seen Opeth in their own show. I have seen them a whole bunch of times at festivals and various places. Just to interject super quickly, the reason I'm stunned is because seeing them at festivals, you only get to see about four, three or four songs. Yeah. Three or four songs. You know, well, so. I saw them, uh, you say that, I saw them at uh, Einstaflug. 
festival in uh, in Iceland uh, where they basically played in on like in a sports hall. Oh yes, um, in front and there was only about sort of six hundred eight hundred people there, and they didn't even headline. They went like there was it was very very small bands on the lineup, and then the last two bands of the entire festival was Opeth followed by Meshuggah. And it was like, got real. Like, it got really real, really quick. And they played a 90 minute set. Lovely stuff. As a kind of sub headlining set. It was fucking, and, and that was amazing. Um, that is, I would say, probably remains the best time I've seen them because it was so weird. We like, there's a basketball net behind you. And <laughs> they, and they, they actually played quite a lot of the, the heavy, heavy stuff as well. So that was good. Speaking of the heavy stuff, it was a nice mix, wasn't it? It was a nice mix. And when they <laughs> kick into like the Leper Affinity, yes, please. Oh, or the Lotus Eater. The Lotus Eater is the one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so I could listen great. to that song every day for the rest of my life and not get bored of it yeah. you're shaking your head no as in no. as in yes you agree no, i agree it's <laughs> fucking brilliant um but yeah the lotus eater is just uh, as soon as it, as soon as michael does that <laughs> stuff um yes. it just sounds it's it's absolutely amazing yeah and the idea i mean you, you may have heard people say before that watershed is it's too proggy and it's when it wasn't heavier, do you? Not heavy on that record. Ridiculous. It's nonsense. Uh, who's it? Idiots. Well, I think I, I would argue, or I'm not going to say absolutely definitively, but you could argue that that um, it has some of their heavier songs on so, it. And it's it's super bleak, that record as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good. We've talked about it um, before and all that. Before. I thought Opeth were excellent and I mm. couldn't fault them and their performance at all. No. The only problem with the gig was if you are an Opeth fan, uh, a particular type of Opeth fan, let me just say categorically to you, you are not funny. <laughs> the most witless audience in music are the Opeth crowd. So there's this thing has happened, particularly in the UK, and it seems like it's particularly in London, actually. I've been fortunate enough to see Opeth I'm not bragging, but I've seen them in a few different countries. And seeing Opeth in uh, Barcelona, for example, is a different experience to seeing them in London. Right. Basically, Michael Ackerfeldt is fucking hilarious, isn't he? He's mm. a really funny guy. Yeah, he's got yeah. his great dry sense of humour. He has humor. a very dry, yeah, very dry sense of humour. Not which... funny like Elstorm. No, 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 not wacky funny, but he is, but he is a very quick-witted dude and he talks to the crowd a uh, fair bit and blah, blah, blah. And it's got to this stage where people shout stuff at him almost to provoke him into being funny yeah. which is actually really irritating because he's having to just sort of deal with um hecklers, hecklers inst- and and, and it's crap not heckles funny. as well and it is he yeah, was wearing a cowboy hat and someone went nice hat and yeah. he went oh i've uh, i've got old and uh i'm obsessed with cowboys and i've got really um sort of eccentric in my old age yeah. so that's why and rather than anyone sort of following up he just went oh, nice hat you got a hat on and mm. then there's lots of nice hat for about fucking 10 minutes yeah people so, shouting for freebird which is ne- which never was funny 
Yeah. And yet funny. people continue to shout it. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if someone shouted Slayer at one point. Like, it's that kind of moronic, boring stuff. It's really fucking boring, isn't it? It's really boring. Unfortunately, it blights most London Opeth shows now. Um, as I'm speaking as someone who's been... T- I've seen Opeth 10 times, I believe. Um, and as I say, and, and I've been lucky enough to see them in various different places. And every time I see them in London, it's that's just a thing yeah. seems it is a weird thing to pick up on because obviously there's nothing nothing the bank can it's do just about well it. yeah but there was but a guy sat behind annoying. me there was a guy we were on the side there's a guy sat behind yeah. me like a, on the other tier and he was about a meter away from me and it's just i i was stunned that he was so incapable of saying something even vaguely bordering on not making it not even like that's not great mate like it's like you haven't said anything that doesn't make you seem like the biggest cunt in the world uh, yeah pretty much yeah i know exactly shouting out about. kylie minogue songs and stuff it's like yeah. what is wrong with you yeah you are the least funny person that has ever lived it's annoying because opeth are a really classy band as well yeah. so when you get that kind of heckle it's really annoying do you know when it started it started around the heritage time did it yeah it started around heritage i remember something heavy was it all that crap yeah it was i remember the brixton academy show like there was this one guy who was just like play something heavy like over and over again and akafelt put him down really really well and it was very funny and it and it's almost sort of come from there so whoever that guy is fuck that guy in fact fuck people at brixton academy generally we'll get onto that yeah i don't know it's it's a weird it's an unusual Opeth specific thing and, and it's fucking annoying. Mm. I've learned to somewhat tune it out now, but yeah. it is Doing fucking, fucking annoying. It is fucking annoying. But Opeth are brilliant. Yeah, Opeth are brilliant. And they I think fucking brilliant. I think um oh god, I hope those people don't buy tickets to ACG. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Um but uh yeah, I don't know. It's, it's remote enough like that. that you would be able to break their neck and sort of drag them into a field and bury them when no one would know or care. Not that we encourage that kind of thing, but you know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Twitter can't get me for suggesting that sort of thing <laughs> on this. Not anymore. No. Um anyway, that was Opeth. Uh you went to see Thrice and Refused and Gouge Away, I believe. I did three. indeed. I'm gonna very quickly talk about Gouge Away. Gouge Away are a band who I never really got on record. I've been told that they were amazing. They were really good yeah it's quite sad um and i mean i'm gonna say this as a general note for gouge away and refuse actually what was sad this this is at shepherd's bush empire i mean we can't get away from the fact that this show was originally going to be a brixton academy and it was downgraded um less as a, than half the size yes um as a child of the 90s and as a massive fan of both thrice and refused i was absolutely i was broken hearted to 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 see that i have to say i mean but you couldn't have been surprised um i was when i first heard it yeah i was maybe i'm maybe i'm um too maybe my love for those bands is too strong i don't know you're looking at me quizzically why are you surprised i can't understand why you'd be surprised by that i just i thought brixton academy was an absolutely outrageous reach personally i mean glassjaw did it last year didn't they mm. and glassjaw played to the smallest crowd i've ever seen at brixton academy in my entire life they were still very good but it was a tiny tiny crowd and they'd put an album out <laughs> recently like yeah. it was good and they had played that venue before or played venues of a similar size to that before uh whereas refused have 
no, apart from the two comeback shows, they don't, you know, the last time they headlined a I think it was tour ballroom. over here, it was at the um, was it Electric Ballroom, Electric ballroom yeah. yeah, which is... And thrice. A, a, is a, a f- less than a fifth of the size of Brixton Academy. Yeah. And what have they done in that time to deserve that kind of reach, that jump up? Nothing. And thrice are great and i guess probably have played maybe not bricks academy but similar almost similar sized venues mm, to thrice that. thrice sort of do forum <clears throat> like yeah. at, at their biggest which uh, is yeah. 2000 yeah cap and- so you're looking at two bands who've never been able to play bricks academy before um one of them uh, having released uh a fairly an album which downgrades i still obviously you know people know what i think that's downgraded their reputation somewhat and although that's not i wouldn't say that's the most people's opinion it may be yours but you know look where it is on the albums of the year metacritic all that blah 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 old um anthony fantano fucking hates it oh like, well anthony old... fantano hates almost everything <laughs> no he doesn't he likes he, loads of stuff there's a lot of shit he he, he hates a lot of brilliant stuff anthony yeah fantano. he does i mean he, i mean he... i'm not even gonna pretend that the Re- refuse album's brilliant but you know yeah still. He, he, i agreed with everything he said in his All review right, of that fair. i have to say um but then people probably already know that um and uh and you've got thrice who are have uh, released a fucking great comeback record but it was three years ago, so they haven't done anything since, and they've In sort the of palms down. last year. Oh fuck yeah! Do you know what? I've I've completely forgot about that record. All yeah. oh, right, yeah, fucking hell. Okay, fine. Um, oh shit, yeah. I do you know what? I completely forgot that record existed. <laughs> yeah, they did palms last yeah. year. That's a nor. That's a pretty good record. It is. It is a good record. Like yeah, I mean, but, it, but the fact that I've completely forgotten it existed. It's difficult with, I mean, Thrice, I, Thrice are, uh, for me, one of uh, such a ridiculously underrated band. And yeah. probably, I, I, I was watching them on last Wednesday and thinking to myself, I kind of feel like Thrice are some of the best songwriters in modern music. Because it just seems whatever they, whatever style of music they turn their hand to, they're brilliant at it. Mm. And and I really do think, like, I I I see like they're often compared to um, Radiohead. I'm starting to think now that they're they're like the modern day Beatles in a lot of way, just in that sense of whatever they turn their head to, they do it to a really high standard. I don't think Thrice. I personally don't think Thrice have released a bad record, and they've released about eleven now. Mm. You know, I mean, I think yeah, I think they are such an That's underrated a big band. shout compared to the Beatles. I, I'm sa- I'm saying I'm saying they remind me of the Beatles in terms of the breadth of what they do, yeah, and the fact that they are able to do it all incredibly well. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Gouge away. Anyway, this this show was did, did not sell anywhere near as well as I imagined that it would. I suppose when Refused and Thrice were announced together, that excited the hell out of me. So you know, but anyway, Gouge away. I reckon played to about. Pff, maybe 500 people which i guess is probably quite a big crowd for them so that's probably quite good but they were great um i um i really didn't get them on record it was burnt sugar i think it was called yeah um and i really didn't get that record i'm not really sure why i really need to return to it because i saw them briefly at we 2000- were going to review it and you sort of poo-pooed it didn't you i did a little bit yeah, yeah. and i now i feel quite bad because now i've seen them live twice i saw them at trees this year um admittedly from my tent because i felt fucking awful but i did i did see them um uh, because my tent was next to their stage and um 
uh, and 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 at this uh, at this show, and I th- I thought they were really really fucking good. So either either that record just hasn't captured what they do brilliantly, or I was wrong. I'm not sure yet. Um, but Gouge Away were great. Refused. Okay, so Refused probably started playing to a thousand people. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they started with two new songs: Rev 001 and Violent Reaction. And um, I have to admit, it was a tepid start. Um, I'm not... uh, Obviously, I was a bigger fan of the new album than you. One thing I will say, though, I'm not sure Rev 001 is a very good song. And being the first song on the album and starting with that as well, I was like, oh, God, Mm. I... I expected that to be bigger live and it, and it wasn't um, violent reaction started to get there. And then they went to worms of the senses, faculties of the skull, and it was far, far bigger. But then there was a few moments where um, Dennis like made a few sort of politically impassioned speeches, which and sometimes bands fall flat on their ass when they do that sort of thing. I think uh, Dennis and many of the members of refused are actually so, um, genuinely linked to their political ideals and beliefs and um, when you they're great orators when you listen to Dennis talking you know he means it and mm. it really feels it's the same thing that I get I mean I'm going to see um, Fever 333 tomorrow which I'll probably talk about next week but it's the, it's the same thing whether you like their music or not it's the same feeling I get of like this is really pumping me up and making me want to get out of this venue and mm. you know <laughs> burn down yeah. the houses has Mate, an apartment I've seen Fever 333 quite a few things that make me want to leave the venue <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, and I really like I have not seen a show be turned around like but when I, when I when it started I was like oh god I'm going to have to come on here and admit to you that you were right um, I don't think you are though and, and when, when I say about what about, ab- about, about are refused a great band I okay, think right. I think Refused are a phenomenal band. I re- I think they're absolutely amazing mm-hmm. uh, because they do things that other bands don't don't do. Like the the, the bringing those ship uh, the ship hip shaking grooves to that form of hardcore and jazz and all the, all those sorts of elements. I mean, even on some of the new material, they started playing stuff like I Want to Watch the World Burn and Malfire and Damage 3. They did play a... They played a lot of fucking... They played six songs from War Music. (laughs) And... Sounds like a bit of a slog. I'm not going to sit here and and pretend that I preferred Damage 3 to The Shape of Punk to come. Because I didn't. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it got as good a reaction as The Shape of Punk to come because it didn't but it got a good they got a good reaction considering that the album been out a week mm. um and i think those songs are really good live with, with a few exceptions i've heard that, they, that pe- a few people said like those songs sound much better live than they, they do, really on record, do which i believe because refused i mean for for everything you know they're a fucking great live they are a fucking great live band yeah i mean i didn't go because i was like i've had my thing a bit and I just need to sit this out because I was that disappointed with the record. Yeah. But it's not, like I said at the time, it's not like out of driving where I'm like, please just stop. Yeah. I think I would I would want to see Refused again. 
Uh, I don't know if I want six fucking songs of that record, though. Jesus. Well, they did six from War Music, four from Shape of Punk, uh, two from Songs to Fan the Flames, and one from Freedom. I was going to say one. From, I was going to ask how many they did from Freedom. That's yeah, quite telling, it isn't it? Electra. I, I did think that was interesting. I did think it was interesting that they only did one song from Freedom. Yeah. Um, but it four was Electra, the and it was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, four. That's fucking crap. Title track: Worms of the Senses, Deadly Rhythm, and New Noise. Um, did anybody refuse the fucking dead? Nope. Oh. Getting a bin, but but you know, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was up there with the forum shows because it obviously wasn't. Yeah, but in terms of a show that, as I say, I've never seen a show turn around from being, oh god, I think this is going to be a limp waste of time to holy. Fu- I mean, by the time New Noise came on, obviously that would make a dead man start mm. jigging. Mm. Um, but uh, and I mean. A dead man, as in yeah. rent free dead man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we all got it. <clears throat> um, but uh, the, the the difference between beginning of the set and the end of the set was night and day, and and it was amazing to see that transformation. It was gen- generally electrifying. Didn't even write that down. Oh, good. I've got the biggest <laughs> smile on my face. Um, it was really good. Like on, honestly, it was really really good. And I think that album is. Uh, so you had a refused party program uh, <laughs> did you so many ones thrice <laughs> i thought it was really good i i think you still would have moaned if you'd gone um me yeah i think you would have. i probably would have, uh, yeah. but See, if they're playing fucking four songs off of show punk to come i would have <laughs> moaned definitely. but uh, but i think you would have had a very good time in places yeah. And I think it might have made you, um, if not reassess the new album, then at least like it a little bit more. Mm, fair enough. Uh, Thrice, as I have already said, I just think are some of the best songwriters in the world today. And like the sheer breadth of stuff that they were doing. Um, I mean, they started with Only Us, which is the first song on that new album, Palms, mm. which is like this futuristic Blade Runner evangelist thing. And then going Yeah, to, I remember. I do remember that song. Then. Yeah. Hmm. And then go into Image of the Invisible, which is this, the first song from Vahisu. And every single song they played was just like, oh, this one, this song's fucking brilliant. Oh, this is brilliant, this song. And it was a really um, uh, wide range of stuff. They played stuff from Palms to Be Everywhere, to, to Be Nowhere, Vahisu, Beggars, The Artist in the Ambulance and The Alchemy Index. And I mean, if anything, they only played 14 songs and thrice tend to play. Usually when you go and see them at their own show, they'll play nearer 20. Um I I mean, I, I could have seen Thrice play double as many songs and still probably had songs missed that I didn't, you know, that I wanted to see. Um, they were just excellent as usual. I, I really love Thrice. Do you Have you seen them live? Do you watch them yeah, live much? Yeah, I've seen them. Again, at festivals. Right, Only okay. At festivals. Okay. I've never been to see Thrice, to be honest. I mean, I, I have a lot. I, I, I really do. They're a band that I really, really, really rate and I think that are constantly underrated in mm. in um in i don't know modern rock journalism it's but yeah. um but yeah they were absolutely brilliant i just wanted them to play longer and longer really yeah so yeah well speaking of uh underrated bands here we go i went to see fugitives of heaven aka creeper the other day a band <laughs> who don't get nearly enough hype uh, <laughs> uh, obviously uh, they do and um and for the most part uh, i think as if people know my thoughts on creeper i think for the most part they deserve the hype that they get i think creeper are a great a great young band a brilliant young band um 
who are always interesting. You know, I think the three P's are released it kind of improves with with every step. And then um, Eternity in Your Arms is a very, very strong debut record. Do you go back very, to it? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, quite a few times. There's at least, I would say, six songs on that record that I would listen to a lot. Six or seven songs on that record that I would okay. listen to a fair bit. I think it's obviously, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, Ooh, but it's... The first 10 seconds are not perfect. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, <clears throat> there are lots of things to pick out with it. Yeah, there's a few things to pick out, but I think there's like, there's also some absolutely brilliant stuff on that record, I as I was concur. reminded. Yep. Um, now, I just want to talk first about... Um, people's expectations going into this show because obviously exactly one year before this gig Creeper quote unquote split up on stage at the Coco um, their last gig promoting the record and they have been away for exactly one year and then come back the big reveal about you know what they were going to be doing I think a lot of people expected a continuation of the story of Creeper somehow um new costumes which we sort of got uh well we know that we did get and um and new songs which we only got one song um is that the one that they've subsequently released yes it is yeah which is called down i something uh let me just double check oh, 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 you continue talking on. okay oh, fine um yeah i can't remember what it's called and um uh basically the actual entrance is really cool because it was at a, a venue called 229 in London, which holds about 600 people. It's not a massive venue, but it's a cool, it's a nice little space. It's a nice space. Yeah. And um, they... It's called Born Cold. Born Cold. That's it. Yeah. And um, there was a curtain in front of the whole stage and they were playing like 50s music. Oh, like kind of 50s sort of... Like do what or roll. Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's quite cool. And it had a sort of um, the vibe of a sort of american prom type vibe lovely yeah and they had these like lights. the last scene on back to the future well yeah and they had these lights down and every occasion the lights would sort of crackle and, and start to go out and when they played earth angel which obviously is the song being played yes. at the, the enchantment and the sea dance yeah. it all morphed and went and the lights went out and the lights all kind of crackled and the the and suddenly the thing dropped and there were fugitives of heaven aka creeper all in white their brand new garb uh-huh. with will at the front in a suit um in a kind of you know white white trousers but i know black trousers and uh white shirt with a black tie and a black jacket on the rest of them all completely dressed in white almost looking like droogs from ah, the clockwork orange and um and they went straight into vcr and i was like oh that's some that's some fucking like boom there we go um sound wasn't immediately brilliant and you know so the, I think th- the theatrics are still there the theatrics are still there the but the sound i think it, it took a little like at least half a song before it actually sort of sounded proper and you know they've not done a gig for a year so i'm sure that there was a there's going to be a few gremlins in the works and i think people's expectations for what that show was was you know i was talking to some people afterwards and they were like well i thought it was going to be a whole new, you know, do what like My Chemical Romance did with the Black Parade. Whole new band, whole new set of songs, whole new, do you know what I mean? With a whole new and carry on the, this story that they've been creating. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that would have been cool. But it's a different sort of world that we live in now. I don't think you can expect a band, especially a band like Creeper, who like, you know, their fans are rabid for them. Like yeah. they have got a much smaller fan base than the kind of big obsessive fan 
bases that we talk about, but their fan but base is fuck, they go fuck, like the the shouting, the level of screaming, yeah. and when they were chanting back the you know when they were singing back any of the choruses or any of the vocal lines, it was like really really loud it's like, an odd thing being at a creeper show as someone who i i, I like creeper yeah. but but i don't think i like them as much as you and i i see a lot of good in what they're doing but i also see a lot of flaws which i think a lot of people gloss over um but being at a creeper show being um you know liking them but not loving them is a such an odd experience because you yeah. just feel like you're missing out yeah. you're like what are you seeing that i'm not like, yeah, it's yeah. people go absolutely batty for yeah. them and um and basically what we got um was creepers you know they, they can't play with like i said with their fans the fucking phones are up before they've even walked on the stage yeah and it's like their whole album would be available to listen to. If they came on and played this brand new record, yeah. it would be on the internet before the fucking song had even finished. Yeah. So bands can't do that anymore. Yeah. Unless you want your fucking phone taken away, which I would not be adverse to, to be I'm, honest. I'm, I'm all for it. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah. me too. Um, then bands can yourself. do that. So if I you don't can't behave you... yourself, you can't have toys. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you get a band playing, oh, we'll, we'll play you one new song, maybe, yeah. but that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I never expected Creeper to come out and give us like 10 new songs or whatever and, and pretend to be his whole new band. I knew they would just give us a hit for maybe one new song. And they were very, and I thought they were good. It reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, Creeper, aren't they, aren't they good? But it was a band who hadn't played a gig for a year. So it was a bit slapdash. You know, I saw them at Shepherd's Bush Empire at the end of, would have been the end of 2017. Yes. And I thought they were fucking amazing at that show. I was really... Swim. Yes. Uh, I was really bold. As as a... Not not as not a creeper cynic, but as I say, one of those people who has gone, yeah, but there are flaws, aren't there? Um, I was really taken aback by that Shepherd's Bush Empire show. I remember giving it five out of five for the independent yeah and i gave i think i gave four or five five star reviews yeah I they were them. amazing that night it was what, I, th- I think yeah. it was one of the best gigs if not the best gig that i saw all year that yeah, year they were I, incredible they were um they were brilliant on the main stage at download as well that time they played download main stage so i've seen them be really really yeah. great what we got was creeper dressed in white working back out how to be a live band do you know what I mean? It was a bit loose at some points. It was a bit slapdash. Unfortunately, and it was good. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm really glad I went. I mean, I, again, hearing those songs again, I was like, you know, they sung, some of these songs are fucking excellent. And the new song sounded interesting. Definitely sounded interesting. Will still reminds me of like a cross between Ian Curtis, Jarvis Cocker and Davey Havoc. Yeah. Like, you know, and... Really interesting front man. Yeah. He, and he's brilliant. Yeah. And... You know, they're a really, really good band. They're a really good band who hadn't played for a year yeah. and weren't as yeah. tight and yeah. weren't as in the groove and in the pocket as much as they, they would have been. But apart from that, fucking great. Great to have Creeper back. Interesting, though, that if you read social media, uh, everyone says it's basically the second coming of uh, Jesus. Well, this is what was interesting. I've heard two things. One is, oh, for fuck's sake, they didn't. I thought it was going to be this whole new reinvention of Creeper. And, oh, what, you know, I'm really disappointed. Like, I thought they were going to get at least five new songs. I thought it was all going to sound different and we we're going to get a whole new big show and stuff. It's like, it's a club show. It's, yeah. a re- it's a return show in a club, 600 people, smaller gig than they would usually be able to play, you know, sold out in a minute or whatever. Or people were saying, like, I've been someone after going, oh my God, it's, that's the best gig I've ever been to. Mm. I was like, come on, man. Mm. Like, they were, I think it's not, it wouldn't even be in the top 
five creeper shows that i've seen yeah yeah do you know what i mean like in terms of their performance i loved the fucking the 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 intro and the opening was great Mm. um the set list was great Mm -hmm. the new start the new like I was a bit like, okay, so you wore black before, now you're know, you wearing white. Mm-hmm. I did think, oh, well, I wonder if they'll just, because that feels a bit obvious. Yes. Um, a yes. little bit obvious. And I thought maybe they would have uh, something slightly more creative in that respect, obviously. But they still look fucking cool and they still look like a gang and it's, it's a different thing. And we'll see, won't we, with, you know, um, with what happens with the new material, we'll see kind of where they go with it and how that all fits together. But it wasn't a massive disappointment and it wasn't the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life either, okay. which is the only two things I heard people say. <laughs> New song? Uh, yeah, quite good. Quite good. <laughs> Having quite heard good. it, at the t- um, I thought it sounded, um, definitely it sounded interesting on first listen, although it didn't really feel like they, again, you know, it was a bit sloppy. It was a bit loose. Yeah. You know, and it didn't quite feel like they first were... First time they've ever played it live. Yeah, though. first time they've ever played it live. Having heard it on... Um, uh, now it's been released properly. Uh, uh, it's grown on me quite a lot. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Um, on a similar vibe, only in terms of costume and certainly not in music, I want to talk about Imperial Triumphant. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, black metal slash jazz hybrid... Um, that I gave you their album Vile Luxury I for trade off. Really love that record. You were very keen on yeah, it, yeah, weren't it you? Yeah. I th- when did they play? Last night at the Dome. Oh yeah, you told me to come along. I did, and I said, no. <laughs> and you went no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my housemate Amy, hello Amy, described them as um the jazz band falling down one set of stairs and a black metal band falling down the other set of stairs, um, which is kind of accurate, actually. Um, definitely one of those albums that I listen to and just sort of laugh at the sheer absurdity of it. Um, but it is like, it's certainly, they're certainly a very, very interesting band. They're a trio from New York and they wear robes, black robes and these golden masks, uh, which remind me of that, uh, the sort of henchman guy from Flash Gordon. Do you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. yeah. I love Flash Gordon. Probably the best sci-fi film of all time. I watched Arrival the other day. Pants in comparison to Flash Gordon. That's not true. Um, I mean, oh God, what? Imper- I, this was the first time they had played London. It was actually the first time they've come to the UK as well. They technically played Dam- Damnation a couple of days beforehand, but this is the first sort of time they've been in the UK. And there was clearly a lot of anticipation from a very excited but quite small crowd. I was quite surprised when they announced the Dome. The Dome's around 600 cap. Mm-hmm. Um, probably only... What surprised that it was too big or too small? Too big. Yeah. Probably, I it was probably uh, between a third and half full. I'd be being generous if I said it was half full. Um, but a lot of people there were really fucking excited and were, and you know, I've been reading on social media today, people being like, that is the best gig I've ever been to and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a very thin line between genius and total arse and Imperial Triumphant seemed to dance on that line quite merrily. <laughs> I quite genuinely thought moments of it were fucking amazing. Mm. I thought moments of it were just... Well, it, there's there's that scene that David Walliams does in Spaced where he's doing an art performance piece. Um, he's dressed in, is like a green zombie and it's just like all weird. He's like... 
like that and um then they start the crowd start applauding and he goes it's not finished and then he says it's finished <laughs> you know it felt sometimes i felt like i was seeing a, a weird art performance piece in hackney in like uh, underground somewhere yeah um I also was kind of hoping that the music would make a bit more sense live and maybe it was a sound thing, but no, it's just fucking bonkers. Um, Just the music is so weird and odd, but there were really, really like when it was good, I, I thought it was a really interesting hybrid. I mean, it's either going to be the future of metal or, it's just three the people, end of it or three people trolling us <laughs> i'm not really sure and i was kind of and i felt that way having had the album i was hoping that going to the show would clarify whether for me a little bit more whether it was um the best thing since sliced bread or just total ass and i actually feel even more confused now right <laughs> so which isn't very good and that critical analysis but um but they look fucking cool i was sort of hoping there'd be a bit more um show like considering like the costumes and stuff like that maybe a bit more uh backdrop garb something like yeah. that. nothing like that it, it is just them in masks oh their masks light up towards the end oh they have, yeah they have red leds <clears throat> that uh that come on uh yeah why are they not bigger they got masks well, I mean, I, why are they not bigger? Because the style of music they play is so abrasive. Yeah, and they got masks, weird. don't they? Yeah, it's basically. Um, if you got a mask, everyone goes, "Oh wow!" They sound like Dillinger Escape Plan covering Bathory. Yeah. Oh mate, <laughs> I think they're really. I, I liked it. I, I, I really I, like Sleep Token. People are going, "Oh, I'll Sleep Token." They've got a mask. <laughs> well, so Sleep. Like, oh. I mean, Sleep Token are definitely bigger. Um, exactly. Imperial Triumphant at the moment. I mean, I, it's certainly they're certainly a really interesting band, and there are the people who were a lot of the people who were there thought it was absolutely stunning. Okay. Well, speaking of <laughs> another great segue, we'll save the best one to last. Speaking of really really experimental bands, um, I want to see Terror. Uh, <laughs> Oh dear! Um, I went to see Terror. Um, I want to say first of all to whatever dumb shit decided to put on Youth of Today and Terror on the same fucking day. You idiot! I decided. What were you thinking? That that is that is ridiculous, isn't it? Although I'd go Youth to the Youth of Today clearly. Yeah, well, I would have done as well. But they did a uh, so Terror had to move their show to a matinee, Sunday matinee. Yeah, because they were like, well that's no fun is it for anyone yeah. just having to make that choice so Fair good for them play that they good play them. yeah good to them um but what it meant is it started super early which meant i missed jesus piece oh, who i would have really liked to have seen mm. uh i did see a couple of the other support bands who i don't really need to talk about because there's nothing really to say <laughs> stood out from them but usually i probably wouldn't come on and talk about terror because terror have become to me like i i often use terror as a bit of like when you want to sort of take the piss out hardcore you sort of go like terror <laughs> because they're so like oh, we love hardcore by our dog collar do you know what i mean yep. and they're yep. a silly band but i wanted to talk about it because one um i've seen terror a bunch of times and every time i watch them live i am like oh i don't really want to listen to them on record that much but i do enjoy watching them live and again at the underworld i'm ne- I, 
think it's probably the smallest venue I've seen them in because I usually see them supporting. I saw them supporting every time I die, and I saw them supporting um, whoever played the um, the thing they do at the forum, the Empiricon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Show whatever whoever's playing Hatebreed, I think it was a few years ago. Um, and yeah, so you know, I'm not really a massive fan of Terror. I think they're kind of funny, um, but they were really good at the Underworld. Like they were great, and Scott Vogel. <laughs> It's hilarious. But the only reason I brought it up is because the crowd was one of the one of the best things I think I've fucking ever seen in my life. It was <laughs> fucking awesome. The spread of people in that audience. Like we we get told so much. What we were saying earlier about rock is dead and it keeps to itself and you know, it's been sort of punk and hardcore and metal and all that kind of stuff has started to be thought of as a old white man's thing right oh. there were so many girls oh. at terror jumping off stage and there was one girl wearing who is obviously muslim who was wearing the full w- covered i mean excuse yeah. my ignorant yeah for um who kept stage diving and you think in if she went to see i don't know arctic monkeys mm-hmm. she might get like have a horrible time you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. Without you know, I, I'm yeah, just yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people who like the Arctic Monkeys, but I'm just saying I can imagine her, somebody like that going to a big gig and maybe feeling a little bit, you know, watching a a guitar based band and feeling a little bit uncomfortable, yeah, or being made to feel quite uncomfortable. The fact that she was stage diving like five times, the fact that there was at least. 10 girls that got up on stage. There were skinheads there, old skinheads. There were old punks. There were young kind of hardcore kids. There were just older sort of early hardcore people. There were sort of preppy looking people. There were people like me there, just sort of blobs. Skinheads. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but it had, there was, there was something about it had a really, really, brilliantly inclusive joyous atmosphere to it and it is one of the most um sort of inspiringly inclusive gigs i've ever been to that's great i i would i would i've seen terror once and it was at the uh, every time i die show that you were referring to at islington academy and uh i wouldn't have got that from them no me neither me neither there seemed to be a real kind of change in scott vogel that i because i always thought and it was there a little bit last time because when they played with Hatebreed, I remember being like, oh God, here come Terror. Mm. And I was like, here we go. Like, silly Terror. And I was sort of at the end, I was like, they're actually pretty good. Mm. That's super macho, really aggressive, quite nasty. I remember they, they felt quite nasty. That, and that Every time I die gig, it wasn't my imagination, was it? It felt like quite a kind of, it had a kind of nasty atmosphere. Yeah, from what I recall, we're going back quite a while now, yeah. and I did find them quite forgettable. But yes, yeah. I'll go with you for this. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I just felt like obviously every time I die were brilliant, brilliant. But I was going to say at that point particularly, they were sort of no, they weren't media darlings, but they were always very well. They were covered by the more mainstream by the Kerangs and the Hammers and the, yeah. even the rock sounds. And they do well. well. Yeah, and yeah. they do well. And this I think was on in, New Junk Aesthetic as yeah, well. Yeah. And cool. in Europe, 
terror were headlining over every time i die and in in london every time i die we're headlining over terror terror. and i just felt like there was a real kind of animosity to Mm. the people who weren't there for terror Mm. like Mm. you fucking Mm. karang kids are here and um Mm, and that was like one of the first because i i you know owned the terror albums from before and i remember seeing that and being like you're a real dick mate Mm. Mm. you're a real dick and um and it, but they didn't do that with hate breed. And even more so the other day, I was like, he was going, we're all fucking here. This is unity. We're all going to go and see youth of the day together. Mm. And like I said, the spread of people that were there, it was really cool. And I was like, fucking when, like when hardcore gets it right, really gets it right. Yeah. And I, I I've been really encouraged by seeing more women at punk shows and hardcore shows generally, over the last it feels like there has been a shift in the last five to ten years maybe Mm. you know i'm not saying uh brilliant sexism has been eradicated Mm. or anything like that but you know it does there's a very encouraging thing happening in a lot of diy scenes where it feels like um women are being made to i i I mean obviously i can't speak for them but it, it, it it appears that women are being uh feel more more invited to these sorts of things and feel like feel like that they can well be certainly there. from that the evidence of that gig was yeah you know was it was they were it was clear and there was no kind of you know from my vantage point there was definitely no kind of oddness towards them yeah uh, would love to hear from um any women who don't feel like that though genuinely um and uh, be... <laughs> yeah if you're really unhappy oh we we love hearing about that no i'd love to i'd oh, love I, 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 I would like to know <laughs> yeah. i would like to know I, I'd, I'd be interested in people's experiences if they are willing to share them i mean they don't have to but you know um i'd be interested to know if if there is a general consensus with women if they feel like that things are getting better as well or mm. not okay that's what i would like anyway speaking of women feeling like things are getting better let's talk about machine (laughs) head shit (laughs) all of my links are so good (laughs) and then i blew it at the end um you and i renfrey we went to see machine head play the brixton academy and even with machine head um uh, doing a set and then playing burn my eyes in full um how good was that it was (laughs) It was bloody enjoyable, wasn't it? I really love Machine Head. Oh, it was so great. Um, it was so great. It's so funny how Machine Head have become like whipping boys recently. And I do know, well, not even recently, um, but like they've become whipping boys like, I don't know, probably since... Since Locust, Locust really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for, for, for what? For uh, releasing an, an album which was still very good but not quite as good as one of the best metal albums of the last decade um i but but yeah it just sort of reminded me that when machine head are at their peak uh they are unstoppably brilliant and when they're at their lowest there um is anybody out there um which but, they did uh, play which they did play which is a real <laughs> snooze fest wasn't it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, starting a show with Imperium uh, is going straight into Take My Scars. You were quite excited by that. Oh, you? when they played Take My Scars, 
I thought my nipples were going to burn, burn off. But, uh, yeah. I was. I did have a lighter underneath <laughs> your nipples, in all fairness. Just, just for japes. Yeah. Uh, and then even straight into Now We Die, which isn't even a song that I'm a big fan of, but I thought it sounded fucking massive there. And then it just struck a fucking nerve. Struck a nerve was the one where I was like, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe uh, it. Not I seen that. Speak. Not seen that since Sonosphere struck a nerve, uh, which probably would have been, I don't know, 2010, 2012, yeah. something like that. Absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, that first set uh, with the new band, quote yeah. unquote. Vogue from Decapitated. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's weird, wasn't it? Seeing Vogue from Decapitated. Yeah, on their big uh, Brixton stage. Playing Imperium and yeah. Aesthetics of Hate and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, it was it was massive. It was a very good Machine Head show. It featured a lot of songs which I would expect to hear from them now, like Aesthetics of Hate mm-hmm. and uh, Tent on Hammer and Wolves. Uh, it didn't feature Wolves. Did it? Nope. Uh, <laughs> not according to this set list. Uh, no, they didn't play Wolves. They didn't play Wolves. Did they? No. I didn't have that much to drink. I imagine they did. <laughs> we, this was quite a fun thing. We don't drink together very often. No. And we I had certainly to, couldn't keep up with you. Uh, excuse me. I had one pint more than you did. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had, or well, Quite I, a lot of, like, yeah, I actually, yeah, I did have quite a lot of It's drinking music though, isn't it? It oh, is, yeah. it does feel good to drink, have a drink to the old machine head. Um, they played Halo, that's what they played. Halo, yeah. yeah that's it's not Wool. What? <laughs> I was gonna say. I was, I was going like, through it in my head, and I was like, and then they, no, they didn't. I thought they did. No, they didn't. You're right. Um, but there were a few cool surprises. I struck a nerve, as I said. I'm Hell, Sonata in C yeah. sharp. That's a really good song. Mm. Um, I could do without a guitar solo. Oh yeah, big time. Especially um, one that went on for as long as it did. It went on for a long time. Went on for quite a long time, and right, also, you've only been in the band for about three weeks. Well, probably. yeah, exactly. It's it's like, and and it wasn't. All that impressive either. I mean, I'm not saying like oh, I could play like that, but it like compared to guitar solos I've seen, it was just like okay, fine. Um, and then and then and then they went into Darkness Within, and Rob always does a very long intro to yeah. Darkness Within, where he, he basically read War and Peace before he played <laughs> it, didn't he? I mean, I was trying. People again, the people in front of us who were not listening to him at mm. all were just pissing around mm. and i was like fucking shut up you mm. shut mm. up um he was being very heartfelt and talking about how you know you know it's always a slightly different speech but like basically about how music is uh all conquering and very empowering and yeah. basically what that song is about um I mean, maybe it's just because I've seen that song so many times live and, and hence seen that intro. So it does, it's probably, the intro is probably twice as long as the song itself. Or it feels that way. Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. it is long. Um, it's a good song though. I, 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 I like it. A lot of people do. And it's a very popular uh, Machine Head track. For me, it's there. Nothing else matters. And uh, I, I'm not really too bothered by it. But gen- generally, like bar that, massive dip because because guitar solo then this really long intro and you know then quite a slow song uh i thought the first main set was really good i I didn't think the new members made a massive impression on me if i'm honest but they're obviously more than capable of playing Mm. those songs and are very very good i don't think we've been given any indication whatsoever as to how they will gel in machine heads yeah in the future that's true uh, although it kind of was hammered home when they went off and came back 10 minutes later and logan madder and chris contus uh joined the band 
And, Absolutely. Um, I mean, I only really noticed Vogue because he did that long solo and I was like, it's Vogue from Decapitated. I can't say like I spent much time looking at the new drummer. I mean, I, I there was a couple of times where I looked over at him. I was like, hmm, he could be Dave McLean, which which is, I suppose is all you need. Yeah. Uh, for Machine Head, but um, um, yeah, I'm I, I'm not taking I'm not saying anything against those two guys. I just I just don't think they made a massive impression either. Whereas, I mean, particularly Chris Connors. Oh my god, yeah. Who I've never seen drum before. No, because uh, I, I the, the my first time seeing Machine Head was at the Astoria in 1997 um, on the More Things Change tour, and that was when Dave McLean had just joined the band. So I miss Chris Connors. And I, but I do remember being like, fuck me, Logan Madder is amazing. Yeah. And Logan Madder used to do these massive jumps with his guitar, like yeah. fucking huge, both knees up around his neck sort of thing. Great. Uh, he can't really do that anymore, but no. my, he's in still unbelievable a, shape. Yeah, he's in better still, shape. Like he's fucking muscle. He looks like a He-Man. He's still a very cool presence on stage yeah really cool dreadlocks but, going all over the place but chris contos i think i said to you i was like that drum riser is going to collapse yeah um the drum riser just kept uh well shaking throughout the entire show and it was a little bit like oh my god is this is there going to be He's an accident hitting those things so fucking hard yeah yeah um i heard a lot of people um say things like oh like usually trolls but like people going oh machine head have been rubbish since chris contest left, left the band i was yeah. like have you heard dave mclean like he's a pretty fucking shit hot drummer mm. um i kind of understand a bit more what people are saying now yeah he's he's amazing he's fucking great um and yeah and and really it does just come down to the way he hits those drums yeah. um it does just come down to that but um he did a drum solo and i'm very rarely up for drum solos but i have to say um i i, mean, I don't need a drum solo no. but 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 i found it far more entertaining than the guitar solo well, just because the whole stage was like bouncing <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, he's hitting that so high he's gonna go through this fucking floor yeah yeah yeah. it yeah, was yeah. unbelievable yeah yeah he's incredible. i mean if that role as you noticed it the second it, that role came in for the start of the video. The video you're just yeah. like, oh, oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that album is a fucking classic. It and I thought that was really hammered home as well because, like, obviously, the people, the songs people talk about are pretty much Davidian Block and Old, old yeah. all fantastic. But there are some amazing, amazing tracks on there that people do not talk about, like Blood for Blood, Death Church. Uh, Death Church. Um, uh, nation on fire yeah nation on fire is great isn't it? um you know which i mean that album really is wall to wall incredible and um yeah not usually a fan of album shows i guess this is a bit more than an album show we, mm. we, we basically got two sets yeah um but i i i, I thought the burn my eyes section of the show was brilliant even knowing what was coming next and stuff wasn't really a problem i was quite battered you were battered you i know. wasn't bad mate no. um and as well it's like you just don't hear those songs do you it's been so exactly. long since i was like oh my god fucking hell i've not heard blood for blood for fucking ages um i don't great. think i'd heard it at all you know more no actually sorry they did play it around but i mean not even i haven't heard it i'm listening to it. i'm listening to burn my eyes i didn't listen to burn my eyes in the build-up to it I just, oh, right, okay. like i just went and was like oh yeah burn my eyes i used mm. to listen to that obsessively like yeah. 20 years still ago, an, and still it, an incredible album that is amazing and also thanks to uh 
I think now I don't know it's for definite, but I reckon because we got a kind of medley at the end, didn't we? Bef- mm. Between um, just before they were, when they were meant to play block, they did a sort of medley. They were like, we can do a little bit more. We can do a medley. They did. Um, a bit they did of battery, battery bulls, on parade, bulls on Parade, South of Heaven, and Raining Blood. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they just whack that in because some fucking idiot about halfway through the set decided to chuck a pint glass which full of beer, which went over the sound desk, which meant we cut out completely. And we had about 15 minutes. It was 20. 20 yeah. minutes of nothing. Of so silence. basically the end of Death Church, basically the sound from coming out of the PA just totally went and all you could hear was what was going on on stage, all the monitor sound. Mm. Uh, and it took the band a while to realise. Um, but yeah, this is very irritatingly... This is the second such incident in as many months at Brixton Academy yeah. that we've witnessed. Because yeah. uh, there was the Gojira, um, except in that case, there was a beer spill over the lighting um, desk. Um, just don't throw beer around at shows. A, it's a waste of fucking money. And B, when shit like that happens, you are inconveniencing almost 5,000 people. Mm. Um, I mean, well, more than that, actually, because if you think of all the staff that had to then stay on, I mean, basically, we we were really fortunate that the people at Brixton that night, it was a Saturday night, so there's probably a little bit of leeway with curfews and so on and so forth, but it was meant to be an 11 p.m. strict curfew and the show had to go until half past 11 as a result and all that kind of shit. And it's just, it, it, it did... Obviously, but if people were getting trains back, like, I'm sorry yeah. to cut in, but no, no, you're right. You know, Absolutely, not everybody goes to London, lives in London. Like we live in London, the fucking yeah. trains are on Saturday night, run all night. Yeah, we can get home easy, right? Fine. But I used to go to gigs, and I used to be looking at it when it gets to like five to eleven. I'd be like, I need to get back to Waterloo to, to get my yeah. train, which leaves in half an hour. And I'm, I can't miss that train otherwise I'm fucking stuck in London all yeah. night. Yeah. And. So people would have had to have gone, okay, cool. Well, I don't get to see Block. and I, you know. Don't get to see A Nation on Fire, Blood for Blood, I'm Your God Now, yeah. that excellent um, medley and Block, you mm. know, which, and and it's, it's just fucking shit. I mean, I'd kind of hope that anyone who listens to the show wouldn't do something so moronic anyway, to be honest. But, I don't you know. know what goes through people's heads when they just chuck it over a fucking mixing desk. Like, are you fucking kidding? I think they just chuck it forward and it happens to go on the mixing desk. But the mixing desk in Brixton is probably like two thirds. No, sorry. A third of the way forward. I t- it's just, it's fucking stupid. It's more, I just don't fucking do it from the back. Yeah. I mean, God, if you're at the front and you're throwing it sideways, I mean, you're still throwing beer for no reason. Yeah. But <laughs> like, yeah. but if you're at the back, are you that fucking stupid? Yeah. It's Not ridiculous. Bad. What are you doing? It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, if, if I, 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 obviously this is not the band's fault and, I, and I'm grateful that they even played and extended the curfew anyway. I don't, I, I don't think they fully recovered. Um, it didn't feel quite as it should have been. And, mm. and they sort of admitted as much on Facebook the next day. Um, but, but still incredibly grateful that they did continue the show anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, like security staff supposedly stayed on and just volunteered to stay an extra half an hour and not get paid to do so. 
to do it and all that sort of shit, you know. It's just because one guy in a moronic moment of drunken stupidity throws a beer. Fucking like to, stupid. like to beat that guy up. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rob Flynn did say something about if you see someone doing that, uh, knock their teeth into the back of their throat, which <laughs> I was a bit like, oh, a bit strong, but actually... Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's the only way people are going to learn. Just don't throw beer. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, I thought it was fucking great. No, it was brilliant. Despite um, those yeah. annoyances, it was, it was fucking fantastic. And um, it's even made me go... I want to see that again at Ali Pali. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm definitely Ali Pali. I'm definitely going to Ali Pali. That was fucking raging. Yeah, um, yeah. we'll go and then we'll moan that it wasn't as good as Brixton. Obviously, yeah, obviously, but, um, but uh, we'll still go. Machine Head are good. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, like I said, the start room through. We finally got round to it. A good fucking yeah. hour and a half into the show. Um, Ten albums as picked by you uh, that we haven't covered on the show so far this year. I'm just going to hand over and let you go through all ten of them since oh. you picked them. Right, let's do this super quickly. Um, so, um, firstly, I'd like to start with a singer-songwriter sing from uh, Australia called Julia Jacklin. Uh, this is her second album, Crushing. And it's a sort of breakup record. It captures the complications and the contradictions of breaking up uh, with someone who's at once toxic in your life. But at the same time, they seem to be like the only thing that's keeping your heart beating. Um, and uh, it's an examination of relationships and crisis, uh, but also something that sort of helps mould your own sense of self-discovery. And I really responded to this album because I think there's a real vulnerability in Jacqueline's voice that draws you in, but the genius of her storytelling keeps you enraptured. So there's a um, the first track on the album, Body, I'll just use as an example, it details an incident on a plane where Jacqueline's boyfriend gets caught smoking and is arrested when they land, which leads to Jacqueline saying she's going to leave this sort of man-child um, as she's not a good woman when he's around. So it's a kind of a bitter song from that perspective of a, a you know, from the perspective of a dumper. Mm. Um, but then there's a brief piano interlude and the song takes a total turnaround and Jacqueline suddenly becomes enormously vulnerable as she recalls this instant uh, when her ex took a picture of her when she was naked and she's staring directly into the camera when she was 23. And then she starts pondering, is is this guy going to use this photo as revenge on her? And that's sort of encapsulated brilliantly in the final refrain where she says, well, I guess it's just my life and it's just my body, which is sort of repeated apps again and again and again in this heartbreaking way because it seems at once she's kind of dejected by that fact that she could be ruined by this, but also resigned to the fact that it's part and parcel of modern 21st dating. Mm. And I think just like, I think the genius of this record is kind of the details in the storytelling. There are so many cool, um, that she's able to sum things up in brilliantly beautiful couplets. Um, but at the same time, the detail that she puts into the, like, when when her boyfriend is caught smoking a cigarette in the toilets, he's got his thumb on the lighter still, and he's got a massive grin on his face. And he, she captures an air which really makes you feel like you're there. Um, reminds me of sort of Johnny Mitchell to a degree. Yeah, Do you yeah. get that kind of timeless yeah. sort of thing with her voice? I feel like this album could have been written at any point in the past fifty to sixty years. Do you, you know? Mm. Um, I think I mean yeah. There's something else coming up later on that I feel sort of similarly mm -hmm. about yeah, that. I think I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. That has um, yeah. There's a, a sort of 
a, a wistful, ethereal quality to this. Mm. I love the tone of her voice, I have to say. Yeah. Like, I probably didn't get as much of the actual story as you did. I'm going to fess up here and say, these are Renfrey's picks. I've had them for a week. You know, I hadn't, mm. apart from maybe one or two of these, I hadn't heard any of these records at all. Mm. Um, so I've kind of had to tackle them as sort of deeply and as quickly as possible. So I think maybe a lot of the subtext I might have missed. But what I will say is, I think her, the tone of her voice and her voice in general is really fucking amazing. She's got difficult a great... to describe, voice. isn't it? But it is quite of... difficult to describe, yeah. Because um, like, it, it didn't sound immediately folksy to me. No. It's vulnerable, but there is a strength... There's a strength in what she's saying, certainly. But, like, uh, it, it, there's a vulnerable timelessness to it. Mm. I don't know. It's really difficult to put put my finger on it. But um, um, just just another example of like her storytelling uh there's a song called don't know how to keep loving you which is sort of a beautiful lament of a relationship that's run its course uh which is summed up quite beautifully in the chorus refrain which is just don't know how to keep loving you now that i know you so well and um i think the boredom of being in a long in in a long-term relationship that has gone that way is summed up in like to take one couplet, which sums it up brilliantly, is every gift you buy me, I know what's inside. What do I do now? There's nothing left to find and stuff like this. And the, the, there's just these things which just hit you um, or the lack of individual identity that you get when you've been part of a couple for such a long, long time. Just summed up brilliantly with who will I be now that you're no, no longer next to me. And yeah. there's just these things that the, the more I listen to the records, the more it hit me these couplets just come out and then once you've heard them you can't unhear them um and she's just like for a very young artist she's very very good at that i think her storytelling is very dylan-esque in its sort of brilliance mm. um uh, there is actually a riff on lay lady lay actually later in the um album with good guy uh which is a song which uses the chords from lay lady lay but subverts the kind of I'm bedding a lady and to, into sort of like um, sleep with me. I don't care if you uh, aren't interested in me. I don't care if it's just sex, just as long as we both know that kind of thing. And that's mm. quite an interesting subversion that you don't normally get um, to hear from a female perspective. Uh, do you like this record? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I do. Quite, I do like it. I think like for me, musically, like I say, I can't talk too much about the actual content of it, but certainly uh, musically, I thought it slightly outstayed its welcome a little bit. Only only a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. But um, it's about 43 minutes long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not too long an album, but I just think when uh, I guess my um, the level of sort of my attention span for this sort of stuff when it is that ethereal constantly yeah. does wane a little bit but i thought when it was there are you know the first half of it i was massively i was i was really engrossed in it yeah and then i started to kind of slip and by the end i was like i reckon you should wrap this up now because it never got to the point where i felt bored of it but i got to the point where i thought i'm gonna soon be bored of this and you don't want to yeah i i yeah i I, th I think i think it's just about you know, as someone who complains about albums being too long all the time, I think it's uh, okay lengthwise. Yeah. It probably could have done with having like, there's a couple of like more jangly, upbeat songs on it. It probably could have done with having one of the ethereal songs taken out and one more jangly song put in if I was being really anal about yeah, it. Yeah, I think but, that would have helped the dynamics of it a little bit. But what I did like is, like I say, I think the tonality of her voice is yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Really yeah. good. So, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Good. Uh, yeah. Um, she's awesome. Um, so it's called Julia Jacqueline. It's called Crushing.
God, uh, and um yeah i just i just i think she is a young talent which is possibly one to watch kind of thing like if she's this sorry i'm gonna say it mature in her songwriting uh at That's this fine. stage then um yeah it, she could be something fucking spectacular yeah um uh artist who has kind of uh sort of supposedly according to a lot of people become something spectacular on from her fourth record weighs blood titanic rising um, this was the one that I would have said lots of the 70s vibes absolutely. are very, very present on. Yeah, absolutely. So Waze Blood is actually uh, the alias of Natalie Merrings. It's the first album of hers to be released via Sub Pop, although her fourth album in total. This is just an interesting aside. She began playing bass with experimental art noise rocky, rockers Jackie O, motherfucker, before branching out solo in 2010. Oh, right. Never heard Jackie O, motherfucker. No, I mean, but, good yeah. name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring this forward um, because this is currently sitting pretty at number two in the best albums of 2019, according, according to... to Metacritic. Really? Mm. Okay. After Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Right. Uh, so a couple of quotes from a couple of people. Record Collective called it a contender for album of the year. Mojo called it a revelation. The line of best fit, a masterpiece from the depths. Variety called it a new peak for a rapidly maturing and utterly distinctive artist. I could go on. But basically, there are 26 reviews on Metacritic, and they're all positive. The least positive review is a, given a score of 80 out of 100, which wow. is the equivalent of 4 out of 5. I reckon I can beat that. <laughs> um, so I wanted to listen to it and, and, and see if I felt the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is really good when it's good. I certainly don't think it's the second best album of the year. No. Um, <laughs> but I think when it's good, I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, it takes a little while to get going for me, if I'm honest. It takes a couple of tracks to get going. I couldn't believe how much it sounded like The Carpenters when I first started listening to I it. I 100% put The Carpenters down. I, I, I actually said I hear lots of Joni Mitchell again, Carol King, The Carpenters, and even a little bit of Kate Bush. Mm. Do you think that's fair? But, yeah, absolutely. I think it feels so weighted in sort of slightly twee 70s folk. Ah. Do you know what twee, I mean? Twee, that's a difficult word for you, isn't it? It's, yeah. Well, I, I've actually written down giving tweeness weight since 2019. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think the the problem with stuff when I call something twee is that uh, it's got a lack of mm, grandiosity or importance or... Gravitas. Gravitas. Weight, yeah, weight yeah, seriousness yeah. about it. And it all feels yeah. a bit like, da, 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 isn't the world full of sugar plums and brilliance? Yeah, and, and I don't think you can say that, about that. Yeah, Although, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, it's almost like serious twee. <laughs> I, I, do, I do actually see what you're saying. I think you'd have to listen to the album to understand what the hell you're going on about. But yeah. I think if people did, then they would actually understand it. Mm. I think um, it's a hard album to describe, actually, because... Yeah. There's 10 tracks on it, I believe. I think it's 10, 10 or 11. Um, and they're all kind of quite different from one another. They're all sort of broadly psychedelic folk, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, but they are. They do go through lots of different um, sort of styles and, and, and genres, I suppose. And I guess she's, she is the only thing that's sort of the through line for all of it. Yeah. But again... Um, not to sound too much like Julia Jacqueline, but she has this amazing voice, which, which, and she, she, it's amazing how well she manages to anchor it, I would say, considering that there's a lot going on. Yeah, she does have a good voice. Yeah, she has a really, yeah, she has a, re like, again, you know, 
she has when you talk about Kate Bush and Karen Carpenter, definitely the the kind of the high parts that she hits. Yeah. Those really like floaty, kind of dreamy, shrill, that yeah. shrill vocal. Yeah. Like if you like that sort of thing, and I think there'll be people listening who do, and there'll be people listening who it, who don't. Just don't I think tossed, it yeah. is an acquired taste, to be honest. Yeah. How good her voice is. I don't partic I don't like that sort of voice as a rule. But then there are some artists who do that. I like. I really love Tori Amos, and I really like Kate Bush. Yeah. So yeah, you know there yeah. are some, and I really like Joni Mitchell, who does that a bit as well. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was all right. I, 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 as I said, I think when it's good, I do actually think it's very good, and I do understand why a lot of people are talking about it um, and are very encouraged by it. I'm kind of amazed that it's done so well critically that it is number two mm. on the metacritic list yeah I've that i'm trying to work out why that would be i think the production's amazing production's fantastic the production's yeah. really great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'll I, give it that I do, I do you know i do i do really like it i mean um she tried to describe her own stuff as bob seger meets henya which i thought was sort of vaguely <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah um you know it is an interesting like i think there's a perception that a lot of singer songwriter music is just really boring one man one man or one woman and a guitar kind of mm. thing and this definitely puts pay to that yeah. you know like if that's what you think then listen to this record and you might not like it but you won't have that view anymore yeah. because it's just not true um but um yeah I, I just thought it was an interesting one to bring in because it's obviously been really really critically lauded yeah i think it is brilliant when it's brilliant and but you know fairly meandering when it's not yeah and so overall i think it's quite good yeah i think it's all right yeah yeah fair enough okay on to something completely different numenorian numenorian yes numenorian is, is that how you say it i've no idea numenorian numenorian <laughs> should i just spell this numenorian numenorian spell it <laughs> <laughs> it is n-u-m-e-n-o-r-e-a-n yeah um it's the second album from the canadian post-black metalers who released their debut album home in 2016 it's a very very they're a very very diverse black metal band aren't they yeah this now um i did put a little shout out on twitter uh, saying that we were uh, doing these catch-up shows and obviously I like to involve you lot when I can. Uh, we do, I should say. Mm. Um, and this album was mentioned a lot. Mm. Um, a quick aside, thank you to all the people who suggested stuff. Um, you gave me a total uh, aneurysm realising how much music we uh, miss. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I think I think I got all, that thread went to almost like a hundred comments mm. and some people suggested multiple albums and yeah. it just made me feel like there is not enough time in the world. Yeah. Uh, but that's because there's not. There isn't. Yeah. Uh, but that's fine. You know, that's all good. But this, it feels like this was the record that came up the most. I didn't bother to do like a chart and count them all up, but I just kept seeing this come up. So I was like, yeah. okay, we should throw this in. Yeah. Some people describe this as Death Heaven meets Gajira. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, I think that is a good way to prick people's ears up because mm -hmm. I think that would prick up a lot of people's ears. Um, but I do actually think there's a lot more to this band than a hybrid, just a mere hybrid of those two bands. But can I, it's progressive 
without feeling proggy, I mm. think. There are quite long songs on it, like, you know, eight minutes long in some cases, but it I, certainly that Death Heaven thing um, chides with me because I feel like this is a really emotional black metal album. Um, yeah, it's got an amazing dynamic range. It really does, yeah. yeah. And like you say, for black metal, that can be quite rare. And it definitely feels like a black metal album to me. It does, Not yeah. a black gaze album. See, I, I mean, Death Heaven... I get the Gojira bit a, a bit. I guess I do kind of get the get the Death Heaven thing, but actually I would lean more towards a band who are much more considered fully black metal, like, say, Wolves in the Throne Room. I think that's an important dis- distinction, which I forgot to make. So mm. the second reason why you're here. Thank you, Steve. Oh, thanks, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. This isn't really a black gaze record. There are probably little sprinklings of black gaze on it, mm-hmm. but I think you're absolutely right. This is a black metal album. It's atmospheric black metal. Yeah. That's different to black gaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it's shoegazy and I don't think it's indie. I think it's atmospheric uh, in in a... It's a fairly different way to one of the other albums that we'll talk about later on. But that, again, just because something has melody and it has, you know, progressive elements to it, I don't think that necessarily, and you know, within black metal, that doesn't immediately necessarily make it a black gaze record, yeah. and which is why I don't think this has really got anything to do with black gaze. I think it is a black metal record with influences of other parts of metal in it as well, like... Gojira, maybe Opeth and stuff like that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, Opeth um, definitely. Yeah, so I, I I totally agree with Behemoth. you. Behemoth. I think that yeah, Behemoth. I think the Death Heaven comparison comes in because it is a very emotional black metal record. Yeah, I have professed a few times on this uh, podcast. I am not a black metal expert. You know more than I do, but I don't think you would call yourself. No, an expert I wouldn't either. call myself an expert. No, definitely um, not. I you know so. Uh, forgive me if people are going to like throw their devices across the room or whatever, but the black metal that I listen to, I often, you know, the black metal that I like and I think is good. I think it is often fantastic, but it rarely hits me in the gut. If that makes sense, it rarely hits me on an emotional level. Yeah. Um, whereas death heaven does. And, um, and this really does as well. There are, there are just pockets of, there are the, like a lot of it is like shouted vocals and stuff, but then there are just elements that you pick out which are really, really clear, um, which are really, really emotional. I mm. think um, there's a couple of, uh, I guess, interlude songs with clean vocals, and sometimes there's bands like this feel a need to put that in just to just to like make the record more dynamic and that's important that's something that we think about uh, that we talk about quite a lot on the show but sometimes you do get the sense that that stuff is just thrown in to make it more dynamic and those mm. songs aren't good in as in their own right i do not think that's the case with this album i think um the songs stay um and alone um are two interludes on this album which i think the album would be significantly worsened if they weren't on it and it's nice to say that about interludes because yeah. I don't think you can um, Always often. Do that. Mm. Um, I think the title track, Adore. Did I say the record was called Adore? I'm not sure if I did. I, sure think I, I think I was uh, trying to figure out how to say the name of the band specifically. Yeah. Um, but um, I think the title track, Adore, is absolutely amazing. And basically, 
It's probably the showcases everything they do magnificently in one eight minute track. Um, I have to say, I really, really like this. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those records that true cult black metalers go, oh, it's terrible. Um, because <laughs> because the black metal albums that I tend to love, that that's what tends to happen with them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you feel that. Or I like, not. No, well, maybe not that, but um, certainly I... I I have a the oh yeah the black metal albums that I really love to, yeah do tend there are I I love a lot of black metal albums that I think people who are like you know proper I like proper black metal and I like the, Dark Throne like, we're, we're talking about people who who like the black metal which is which sounds like it's the production's awful yeah. and you know the 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 true cult stuff don't which, get me wrong I like some of that but I also like. Yeah. stuff that sounds nice as well yeah 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 i've rarely got into the biscuit tin black metal as i'm gonna call it yeah um I like dark throne i uh, like dark throne because they just sound like motorhead don't they i need to listen to more dark throne yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark throne. um i think this is excellent i really really yeah i like it and when really it hits like fuck this. me it hits so hard as yeah. well yeah 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 i think um, that's the, the thing is <sighs> Like we said about Alcest the other week, and that Alcest album's really, really good. So it's not a slight on that Alcest album, but it's not really like extreme heavy, is it? Like even the heavy no. bits aren't like, oh my god, it's face meltingly heavy. Mm. Whereas this, when it's heavy, it's so heavy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't think Numerion. That's probably how you say yeah, it. Yeah, Numerion. Yes. Um, I don't think when I don't think they're trying to be Alcest because again, that's going to yeah, be no, black no, no, gazy. No. But you know if i were putting them against each other i i prefer this to the new alces record and i and, think i do and the alces record is very good yes it's really good yeah you know numerian oh, i'm so pleased <laughs> uh <laughs> like this is this we'll is get a, we'll get a facebook message now going you have just desperately misrepresented us by saying our name completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> probably um but no that I, I i think this is really really cool and like um I think there's a really, in I mean, again, people are going to shout at me for saying this, but I think there's a lot of really interesting um, metal coming from America and Canada at the moment. Black metal. Yeah. I, mean. I was going to say, there's always. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I meant coming. specifically black metal, um, which, you know. Shine down. Um, exactly. <laughs> can't think of any others. Let's move on. Yep. Um, pile. Okay. Now, here, now. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Come on. Um, I discussed this band a few oh i don't know a month ago yeah, six weeks did, ago yeah. i went to see them at the moth club and um was just basically absolutely stunned that there's this diy band that i'd i feel like maybe i'd heard of them but i kept like mixing them up with pine grove and mm -hmm. you know pile pine grove uh, and stuff like this and i was just like oh they vaguely ring a bell but i don't really know anything about them i turn up to a sold out moth club and every single person in the crowd is singing every single word and i felt like a bit of a dummy um that's somewhat surprising because pile are a really difficult band to get a grasp on aren't they steve you told me that i'd like them because they sound like fugazi yeah that's what you told me you said those exact words you look really angry <laughs> no 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 i'm just saying <laughs> that's what i remember so i was like okay yeah another band you'd like fuck me come on yeah they, they have fugazi. they they're gonna be as good as fugazi so they have elements of fugazi they definitely do and i've put down this sits somewhere between fugazi and the gaslight anthem oh yeah that's quite good because they have got a heartland rock feel about them and i can't quite put my finger on exactly 
what it is about that because they don't sound really like the men's singers they yeah. don't sound like the hold steady they don't really sound like the gaslight anthem they don't sound like any of those bands at all really but they just have this this way about them yeah where it does feel like people in a menzinger style band have decided to just make some really difficult angular, angular. like interesting Odd. bizarre music yeah. um which doesn't like so few of these songs seem to have a structure yeah it just feels like the band are following the lead guy is rick mcguire i mean he is basically pile but like that it just feels like they're all following him and a lot of these songs don't feel like they have verses or choruses or no. anything like that yet there are and hooks the tone, on it yeah the, the tone of some of the guitar parts are amazing and there doesn't seem to be much in the way of actual structure to those riffs no, no. and they seem to uh, and it all feels so live and almost unrehearsed yeah and almost improvised it, yeah and it's exactly there's there's a song in it that's like two minutes long and this is the point where i went fuck me i think i love this album because i do incidentally love this album um it's called the soft hands of Stephen miller yeah it's fucking great it's two minutes long and it is so abrasive so acerbic yeah, yeah. and i was like this is great and it re- do you know it, who Stephen miller is no he's um one of donald trump's aides so it's like it's really specifically i fucking hate oh, you. Right. Um, it's, it's really acerbic yeah it's very good and uh, again it, it, they remind me like garrison had this garrison are a band who i yeah, love and garrison had that thing where they kind of wrote big songs but they wrote them with really wiry weird guitars yeah and i'm not really and i always love that combination and no one else quite there are a lot of bands who sort of did kind of tried to do something like that but either went one, more one way or more the other like burning airlines uh who were a band who were on um oh, jay tree i think I were yeah. kind of went f- too far the other way into the fugazisms and then i would actually argue that a band like rival schools went too far the other the kind of the more we write songs sort of way because there are some you you what you what you you listen to rival schools and there are bits where you go what an odd little guitar part that is but then it becomes such a massive song that you're like well you can't deny it's just a massive pop song but yeah but what pop songs oh mate i love fucking i love yeah i love rival schools but but if you are going to tippy toe down that line and hit it right in the middle not many but you know like garrison are one of the few bands where i was like they have really gone like exactly splice that 50 50 and i think pile do as well yeah they they do you do you, they, they are truly a cult band aren't they do you understand the I can, cultness of it yeah i can fully understand why because i don't i don't like it doesn't sound like anything else yeah yeah it's around now that are doing you know it doesn't really sound like anyone at all yeah i mean there's there's, there's a song um I think it's after the song that you just mentioned, the Stephen Miller song, A Labyrinth with No Corner. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, so it's twisting and turning. It's got this strange off-kilter, like post-hardcore riff and these really, really searing screams that could that could be mistaken for Fugazi, I think. Yeah. But then there's some woos in it, which like sound quite Weezer-esque. Mm-hmm. And then the bass distorts to this ridiculous extent and the bands crash in on a really wiry avant-garde wave of like Blood Brothers-esque squall. And it's like... Who else is doing this? Yeah, it's no one. Bonkers. Um, but sometimes the guitars jangle. Sometimes they serrate. Sometimes, sometimes it's really soft, softy, softy sung. Sometimes it's just screamed. Uh, 
they're a really interesting band. They're very difficult to get a handle on. And I had to listen to this album a good few times before I got my head around it. Mm. But I think it's really good. This yeah. is their seventh record as well. That quite excites me. If, if all of their albums are this good. And actually, my friend who I went with, Vlad, um, he said this isn't even their best record. Mm. So... I like this band a lot. Yeah, they're yeah. great, aren't they? I'm really glad you do. I was a bit worried when you said brought the Fugazi thing. I don't up. know why you worry. I'm gonna. What, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Throw something at me. <laughs> when have I ever done that? You do have a very intense stare, which makes me think about my words and my actions quite a lot. <laughs> well, you know that's what it's there for. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, I like pile. Yeah, good. Um, the Calisteo boys. Right. Okay. <laughs> Die on Mars. Okay. Um, this is the seven-piece self-styled metalcore band. I say self-styled because <laughs> yeah. are they a metalcore are band? They? Uh, from Atlanta, featuring the usual setup of, you know, guitars, bass, drums, uh, with the addition of synths and violin to expand their sound. Um, this album also, in particular, also features uh, saxophone on four of the 12 tracks. Um, it's their debut full-length album. They had two EPs before this. Um, very fucking impressive for a debut album, I thinks. Um, I think it is in a similar vein to vet. We've made that joke too many times. Uh, vein gift from God. See space cowboy. The number twelve looks like yeah. you. Are you agreeing with all this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, you know we've we brought up a lot of these bands recently have. who have who are harking back. You know we did it last week with Frail Body. We did. Um, we are harking back to the screamo, the kind of early days of metallic hardcore. Bloody um, good year though for this stuff, isn't and it? And it and it's an yeah, and it's uh, a band who are. Um, doing that sort of thing. Another one that are doing yeah. that sort of thing. I'm also going to throw in uh, the ongoing concept, who are a band that I know that you like. I do like this. them, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Chariot as well, because they have they do a lot of that kind of like feedback drenched noise thing, a la the Chariot. Mm-hmm. But they also have um, a sort of sense of humour that runs throughout it in an ongoing concept sort of way, which one could describe as wacky if one, one would be. should probably as ah, well okay because i was so this was the difficult thing i was not sure if this would uh uh go onto your wacky radar or yeah. not because there's so much of this i feel like you should like yeah. oh yeah and I, and I do okay i do like the stuff that i like but i have to say okay i could have done without the wackiness okay, okay um okay. I don't think it's funny the bit where the guy's ordering a steak in the middle of a song. Right. Like, I don't think that's funny. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it serves a song. And it it takes it from all the cool stuff that we've been talking about. Um, you know, Poison the Well, Blood Brothers, um, Grade, fucking all of those bands that we how much you know early sick like all the stuff that we talked about how much we loved you know when jane doe came out and what a great time it was and then these guys are all bringing all this stuff back it takes it out of that time and it puts it into scene music it takes it to 2008 2009 to attack attack to fucking broken side and stuff like that it takes it to the day glow dickheads that took that music and turned it into uh, a meme mm. and i was like they're probably young and they probably actually are more in, and i was listening to it, i was going as it went on that wacky stuff i because i was thinking oh you obviously listen to you know insert fucking whatever one of those bands that we continue to kind of talk about uh 
from that early kind of noughties period insert that band here and then actually i was like maybe not maybe you're actually young and you were like this is a lot of like myspace era kind of wacky scene core crab core whatever you want to call it remember all that stuff i do yeah. i do and I, I understand what you're saying early enter shikari a little bit as well do you know what i mean and i was like uh and 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 once i got that in my head i was like i'm fucking finding this really hard to enjoy now because i just hated those fucking bands so much and i think this is obviously the first sort of few minutes of it when i was listening to it i was like oh man great another one of these and wow it sounds really cool and like you know they've got like you say saxophone and synth and all this other stuff there's lots of really cool stuff going on on this record it is it is really cool like there's, there's plenty of stuff on it that's really good but when they start getting into this like bozo territory well so the steak thing is one example um there's uh there's a sort of um self-deprecating spoken word monologue during a song called contrail crucifix about how the band need you to buy their merch oh yeah so oh god i hated that as well there's how much my t-shirt costs and all that fucking yeah, shit. yeah yeah uh there's a radio announcement during faraday cage i mean even the titles of the songs um who announces you're back with 104.3 day boys your number one source for adult contemporary and stuff like that mm. yeah it's that kind of thing i think there's a very thin line between playfulness and wackiness um i think you have the playful end of the scale which is mike Patton slash system of a down and then there's the wacky end of the scale which is evil scarecrow and Ailstorm. Yeah. for me this is closer to Patton and sewed um and it doesn't um i understand why you find it cloying but i didn't find okay. it that cloying i it, it is it is right on the note it's right like if there had been many more because it is scattered throughout the record yeah um if there had been many more i probably would have been like okay tone it down a bit now but, but it was just at the point where like I can, I can just about take this and i think there is so much cool shit going like there are really awesome uh synthy part the, the synth and the violin it's really nice to have a band that add a couple of extra instruments where it doesn't feel like a just a complete gimmick mm. i think there are really integral um they're quite fleeting actually when they come in but they are really integral to those songs when they come in i think and um you know a, a lot of this does recall that amazing collaboration ep between Patton and dillinger for me which is never a bad thing um, uh, I think yeah. at its best, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, like musically it does. It's just, you know, um, there are, at its best, yeah, it's just there are bits where I'm like, oh, it's broken side. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's harsh, but I understand what you're saying. And I was aware that that might be a criticism of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the second half of this record really is like the first half is just a really good version of one of these bands maybe with a couple of cloying annoying bits Mm. the second half is where i think it gets really properly interesting because a lot more melodic things are thrown into it and um it's just if they continued in that direction and maybe maybe grew up a bit uh, (laughs) if if you will i think because i think the quality of what is amazing on here is so good that over a period of time i've had i've been playing around with this for like six or seven weeks now and it's actually kind of become one of my favorites of these types of records that have come out this year really? and actually as we've discussed there's been a load of them yeah. so i've been able to see past the sort of annoying little quirky things 
And in fact, I quite like them now. I've actually sort of learned to like them. Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> well, maybe it is. Yeah. But, you know, hey, I like it. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I understand what you're saying. I'd be curious. If, do you think you'll go back to it or did it annoy you that much? Uh, I think in a year when we've had um, See You Space Cowboy and Gift from God, I would be surprised if I went back to this, to be honest. Oh, it's a shame. I, but I, what I would do is listen to their next record. Yeah. Okay. I'm really, I really want them to come over. Um, I really want to see them live because the other thing that excites me about them is because they are a seven piece, you know, how much I wang on about backing tracks and all that. It's like, oh, brilliant. A chaotic sort of hardcore, like mathcore, metalcore, whatever hybrid where you actually have all the elements being played live and there's no fucking backing track. Wonderful. That sounds great to yeah. me. So yeah, maybe it'll be more convincing live. Maybe not. We'll see. Know. We'll see, I guess. Uh, so that's the Calisteo boys die on Mars. So the next record I want to talk about is uh, Lightning Dust Spectre. Um, this is a Canadian indie synth pop duo. It is. I'd say. Uh, they released their oh, it definitely is. fourth album. Um, it began life as a side project to Black Mountain, uh, which has since been disbanded. Um, but Black Mountain was like more of a straight ahead rock kind of thing. It's basically uh, the members are Amber Weber, who's a vocalist, and Joshua Wells, who, as far as I can see, does everything else. Um, I heard this playing in a record shop when I was in Helsinki and I went, this is nice. Mm. I thought it's quite good. Um, the It sort of reminds me, I mean, going back to Twee again, um, you remember... We, I gave you that Broken Bells record on trade-off uh, one time. This is a Danger Mouse record with the lead yeah. singer of the Shins. Yeah, yeah. And you did not like it at all because you found it super, super twee. Yeah. I feel like this is a gothier version of Broken Bells. Yeah. And because it's gothier, I feel like the tweeness is um, stamped down quite dramatically. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't... This is definitely not the tweest record no, of this no, no, batch. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Um... It's quite hipstery, in fact. Yeah, arguably. Indie synth, hipstery indie synth, isn't it? Like you say, it's quite dark, yeah. gothic indie synth. Um, it's probably as hipster as I get. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, you know, my sort of reference point for it were Bat for Lashes and Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And even yeah. Chelsea Wolfe, like yeah. period. I don't think it ever hits the heights of Chelsea Wolfe. It never goes full goth. No. But, but there's elements of goth, yeah. which it's got a peppering of goth. I mean, I don't have, I might say what I have to say about it say right it. now, which is that I, there's a song called Inglorious Flu, mm. which I think is really good, a really mm. lovely song. And that, the kind of, the slow, methodical stuff, when you can hear, I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of 80s, that post-punk popped 80s bass line. And yeah. it has a bit of that on it. Yeah. I really like those bits. I like it when it's slow, methodical. I don't really like it when it speeds up a bit. Yeah, I think I'd agree, actually, yeah. generally. Um, my favourite track on it is the first track devoted to, because um, it's just this strange hybrid of sort of these like neoclassical strings mixed with, um, I, I would say the Van Gallis Blade Runner soundtrack for a broad um, yeah. uh you know thing to point out i don't or more accurately say the deus ex soundtrack uh, to the video game for a less broad one but um i i yeah i i think i think there are some really excellent interesting parts on this record there's one song 
uh, called Led Astray, where a keyboard comes in, which sounds like it was from the BBC adaption of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's just this weird sort of 80 synth part, which is like, yeah. oh, that was a bit weird. Um, I think it maybe languishes in one place too much, possibly. Mm. Um, but it's not a terrible place to be in for no. 38 minutes. No, it's not. And it, you know, again, it didn't hold my interest rigidly for mm. that entire time. Yeah. But yeah. I always found myself when they went to the places that I think they're comfortable in, I actually thought, well, this is very good. I agree. It's just yeah. that there were a few times where it sort of became a bit more mush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not in a fucking horrible way. Do you know what I mean? Like, not like, oh, it's mush and shit. And it's, do you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, I don't know. It was a bit kind of, mm, when it tries, to, when it, when it loses that uh, haunting intent, Mm. I think it's way less powerful. You can probably see why whilst I was in a record shop flicking through records, the bits that permeated my brain, I went, this sounds like a really good record. And yeah. you know, I was basically went home and then checked it out and thought it was good enough to bring into this. Yeah. But I do think just about, you know, um, if this was a debut record, I'd be like, this is really fucking promising and amazing. The fact that it's their fourth record makes me a bit like, yeah, okay. Um, but I, I, but the, I brought it in because when when it's good, I think it's really fucking good. Um, she reminds me a little bit of uh, Porter's Head, Beth Gibbons as well. Yeah. It's never a bad yeah. thing. Or even Stevie Nicks or even <coughs> PJ Harvey, I think is in there. All, you know, all three brilliant, brilliant, brilliant vocalists. And yeah. when's that ever a bad thing? No. So, um, no, I really like this. I don't think it's, um, it doesn't outstay its welcome, but it maybe stays in the same place for too long. There yeah. is a difference between those two things. I think subtle, so, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so that's Lightning Dust Spectre. Um, the next one I'm going to go on to is Fink, mm-hmm. Bloom Innocent. Now, I brought this in because you... like have been before. We've been, we have been here before. We've been to Fink before because yeah, I gave yeah, you... Trade-off. Was it Perfect Darkness I gave you on Trade-off? Was, yeah. That's right. Um, this is the either the seventh album or the tenth album from the Cornwall-based Berlin DJ turned song, singer, songwriter, depending on uh, how you look at it. I could go into the details of that, but you don't want me to, do you? No. Uh, <laughs> um, this is quite different to Perfect Darkness, isn't it? It is different. Hmm. It's an elong- It's elongated. The songs are longer, for one. <laughs> for one. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, it's also, it's less focused on guitar. Mm-hmm. and more focused on uh, this is going to sound like a really wanky review uh sound collages i would say yeah you could say that you could make a comparison with um the change that was made between bonnevere's early work and latter work although i don't think this is quite as esoteric as bonnevere's latter work no relatively esoteric but but not to that extent yeah. or you could even um another record this album reminded me of was um specifically a moon-shaped pool the radiant the last oh, radio right. album. yeah that's a pretty good job yeah uh, and and specifically what i imagine were the johnny greenwood comp- uh, contributions <laughs> to that record so there's a lot you know rather than having like a traditional verse chorus verse sort of structure there'll just be like waves of uh strings that sort of come in and then sort of blur out and then uh you know just a little bit of triangle or whatever and it's, yeah. it's quite an odd sort of sensation and it's it's quite it's an interesting experiment which i think is often successful 
I don't think it's entirely successful. I think some of these songs outstay their welcome a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think it's an interesting... I mean, you know, if if Fink just kept re-releasing Perfect Darkness over and over again, that would be far less interesting than what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So I kind of welcome this change of direction, even though I'm... It, it is not, for me, the equal of Perfect Darkness or uh, Hard Believer is the other album that I, by him, which I think is absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, how did you, as, as someone who liked Perfect Darkness, how did you react to this sort of slight change? This my, well, my initial, I mean, much like you, I think my initial reaction to it, because when you said we're doing this, I was like, oh, great. I really like that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really yeah. good. And I'm glad to be able to listen to another one. Um, and then I saw the kind of song lengths and I was like, that sounds yeah this could be the the shortest song to, is is just under six minutes and the uh longest song is around about eight yeah, yeah yeah you're looking at kind of for six to eight minutes for every song pretty yeah much, isn't it? eight and songs 50 52 55 minutes something yeah. like that and uh so i was like oh great anyway and i saw that and i was like oh well it's obviously not going to be as straightforward as yeah. the previous record and on the like you know straight away on a pair of headphones i think i actually messaged you and said oh, i really like this because mm. straight away it's great record it for just headphones. it just sounds so precise and lush and mm-hmm. you lush know and and yeah. and it kind of it attacks you from so many different angles it attacks not even the word but it kind of massages itself in like yeah. from massages so many, you from loads of different yeah angles. from loads yeah, of yeah, different yeah, angles yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like oh this is really good um you could even argue there's a bit of a talk talk vibe yeah too. there is not it, it, as good but no, you know no, no. there's a, there's a but, talk talk vibe but yeah definitely you know like, it, it, it's good to hear an album which basically mainly relies on instrumentation because he's not as a vocalist he's not as present on this record i don't think as he was on on the previous one um no i th- i do think he carries it at, at its best um cuz i th- i feel like the songs aren't um i feel like the songs if this were an instrumental album it'd be a bloody odd album yeah but I mean? I, okay but i mean i don't i think um kind of normally when you get a uh, i don't want to use the word pop, yeah no fuck it pop song when you get a pop song like you know essentially what you got on that album that we were talking about previously were a set of songs that were i found it quite catchy yeah and, you know i found it quite easily relatable and there was you know the melody and his melodies particularly yeah were very quick to kind of you to get Latch inside your head yeah. whereas actually this time i think this does feel more like an album where the instrumentation is more important than his voice. Yeah, maybe. Is, yeah. is what I would say. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. not a bad thing. I mean, if anything, it's a kind of compliment to the the kind of the the composition of the music. Yeah. Um, but it makes it a little bit harder for things to stick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because it's longer as well, um, I kind of found myself going, oh, this is really good initially. And I've not really been able to fully get inside it i would agree i feel like i need to listen to it more um with everything else that i brought to the table this week i've managed to listen to this record three or four times which is not ideal like, yeah. this clearly needs at least double that i would imagine yeah. uh, before you properly get into it um but i do think it's a really interesting left turn for thing i don't think it's always successful um the penultimate song rocking chair just falls totally flat for me um and there's there's a couple of moments where it's like this is probably two minutes too long Mm. overall i think it's an interesting experiment and we talk about this a fair amount when bands sort of um do an experimental album they don't necessarily 
get it right the first time, but maybe if he continued in this yeah. direction the second time, it might be better. I think what I was telling is I put it on on Spotify and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then something came on and I was like, oh, this is really good. And it was the album previous to this. Oh, right. And that was when I was like, oh, this is, and I was like, oh, shit, this is from the last yeah. album. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And it did feel like, like you say, I'm I'm more kind of interested in intrigued by it than I am enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. But he's clearly very good. And I would rather someone did that. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, I, I had a, I carried on listening to that album and it's not one I'd heard before. And I was like, oh, this is good as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's obviously, if I want to go and listen to an album that sounds like Perfect Darkness, exactly. I well, can find... I'd go to Hard Believer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, he's done a couple of those sorts of records and, and you know, it's good that he's moving on from that because I, I don't need Perfect Darkness Part 2 or Hard Believer mm-hmm. Part 2. And that, this definitely isn't that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I'm not 100% sure that I love it yet, but I certainly like it. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's a very interesting experiment, which will probably bear the ripest fruit the next go around, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. uh, so that is uh, Innocent Bloom by Fink. Uh, the next record I'm going to go to on a little bit of you, Norma Jean. Norma Jean. Now, we had a lot of people um, ask us to cover this as well. And um, I probably should give a shout out to uh, Alistair H and Neil Criddle in particular, who were quite vociferously um, saying that they would like us to cover this record because they feel like it's one of the strongest Norma Jean albums in their back catalogue. Well, shall we just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were going to cover this the we week were. that it came out. I was absolutely like, we got to cover the new Norma Jean album. It was it was on the schedule and we were yeah. both keen to cover it because we both like Norma Jean mm. very, very much. And then I heard clipping yeah. and I was like, I just feel like I have to bring, we have to do this now. I was like, I have to, I have to do this now. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was as, as much as I love Norma Jean, um, and as much as I loved, you know, I, I didn't really want to drop the Alcest album because they're a bigger band than Norma mm-hmm. Jean. The Refuse thing, people have been waiting for. Who else mm-hmm. we did? You had... Um, uh, uh, we Lost the Sea, we, which yeah, I was we very lost keen the sea to do. as well, which you were very keen to do. And we also had Mike Lanigan as well, and which Mark is so yeah. different. And obviously Mike Lanigan's a legend. So something, just for time's sake, had to kind of go. Well, we had a chat and we basically said that... As far as the next record along in the Norma Jean sort of saga, this is their eighth record now. Yeah. It just seemed to be the least interesting record to talk about, in my opinion. And I think you agreed with that. Yeah, well, yeah. And the, the problem is, I think that gives people an impression that we or I, I can't speak for both of us, but the other I don't like the record, which is definitely not true. Mm-hmm. I do think this is a very, very good record, personally. Okay. I like it a lot. Um, I think it is... Well, okay, so the last two Norma Jean records, Wrongdoers and Polar Similar, I know you're not as keen on Polar Similar. I mean, again, we've been talking about our albums of the decade, and I think Wrongdoers or Polar Similar are both records that, for me may or may not sneak into that top 20. One of them might, might do. Um, but they're definitely in the conversation. And I think particularly Polar Similar um, brought a song like Reaction on Polar Similar. Do you know that song? I'd have to... It's I'd, like I'd, track I'd, eight. Okay, it's absolutely it. amazing, but it's got much more in the way of melody. Mm. In it. And I felt like there was a lot more in the way of melody in Polar Similar. I don't know if that's maybe why you were a bit more like, ah, it doesn't really sound like kind of normal. I, 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 
it felt I I only listened. I didn't have to review it or anything like that, but I was sent it, and it, it just it felt like more Norma Jean to me. Mm. Polar similar. I, maybe I should have gone in on it a bit harder, but because I wasn't tasked with reviewing it or anything yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, I, see, I, I was. I've actually the the in Metal Hammer. This is the third Norma Jean album on a trot oh, really? that I have reviewed for Metal Hammer, and it's also the one that I've given the lowest review to because I've given it an eight. So put it this right. way, I have I would wrongdoers and i was my rate i gave wrongdoers a nine i gave polar similar a nine as well um and i would stick by that for both of them i think they're both fucking brilliant i gave this an eight um and that's still a really good record i was originally down to i don't know if you know this but i was originally down to review this for hammer and due to circumstances, I wasn't able to do it. Yeah. Uh, so it got passed on to you. Uh, thank you for taking That's all right. Um, and, um, Happy for the work, obviously. <laughs> I, I wish I could have done the work, but it is circumstances. And um, I'd only heard it three times um, before, uh, before I had to pass it on. But at that point, I was... I was going between giving it a six or a seven. Really? Yeah. Um, Norma Jean is a really interesting one. They've gone through a myriad of different lineup changes. Um, some of those changes have affected the band quite detrimentally and others not so. The lineup changes before this record is quite big lineup. Astronomical. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2016's Polar Similar, um, the last album, the album, one of the albums that you said you give nine out of, 10 i'm not really prepared to say what i haven't heard it since it came out mm. um but that was the first norma jean album that was recorded where not a single original member of the band was in the band anymore mm-hmm. and i think it does beg the question you do have to ask when is a band no longer a band it's like sugar babes isn't it it is <laughs> just like sugar babes <laughs> the hardcore sugar babes um the personnel on all fail as far as i can see as Corey brendan he's the been the vocalist from oh god the aftermath which is the second album fair enough he's been the band for a very fucking long time jeff hickey on uh guitars he's been the band since wrongdoers so two albums five years five six years Mm. uh grayson stewart on rhythm and lead guitars he's literally just joined and matt putman on drums who just happens to be um Corey's the vocalist's uh brother who briefly helped the band out in 2006 when they were without a drummer for a short period of time but has just joined for this record as well. So it's kind of, it's like, okay, with all that in mind, again, I asked when is a band no longer a band? Mm. Um, And I didn't know about those lineup changes until a few listens into this record, but I was listening to it going, what's wrong? What's changed? Um, To be clear, I don't think... I don't think I don't think those lineup changes would matter at all if All Hell was an undisputed masterpiece, like a few people are saying. Um, but I don't think it is an undisputed masterpiece. I certainly don't think you think it's an undisputed. Masterpiece. Oh no, no, it's not. A, it's definitely not a masterpiece. It's not the best. It's it's the it is it's the weakest of the last three for me. Yes, um, for me definitely, it's the weakest of the last three. Um, I. Th- think uh, well look i think there are good things there are sing- things that i do like about this record there are some decent songs on here um mind over mind is a good barnstormer a good opener um not like the second track but you know what i mean um transnational has a really cool sort of deftonesy heavier vibe with errors has some cool sort of 
almost tallisms that make it stand out amongst other Norma Jean songs. And then Anna, which is like the penultimate track or like basically the last song because the last track is some great song. Absolutely fantastic. Um, But there's also a lot of fairly straightforward Norma Jean material on here, which if I didn't know this was Norma Jean, I would be like, oh, that sounds like a second rate Norma Jean. And um, I mean, in a way, it sort of is, isn't it? Because it's not <laughs> really Norma Jean. Um, I there are some baffling choices made on this record as well. I think the decision to put two mid-paced, melodic, what I'm going to call lengthier songs—they're not lengthier in the Norma Jean back catalogue, but on this album, they mm. are—in the form of Anna and um, uh, Kareen, right at the back of the record. They're track twelve and thirteen of a fourteen-track record they're mid-paced and more melodic and um to put them at that point in the record where it's probably already outstayed its welcome at that point already it's just baffling to me i i do not understand the thought process that goes oh that's the place to put those songs uh, yeah um, they, uh, okay um i'm going to defend that decision yeah, yeah. if you don't mind which is that what I like about this record and what I thought would brought a new flavor to it, because I do think there is much more in the way of um, melody in Polar Similar than there is in this initially. Like when I put this on, I was like, wow, they're really going for it. And whereas before Polar, like to me, Polar Similar goes up and then it goes down and then it goes up and it goes, and it has that kind of weird, dy- whereas this is a record that kind of dies in front yeah. of you. Yeah. And I Which is took, a brave move. But I and I took that to be a deliberate move as well. Quite possibly. Because it because it starts harder than the last two, you know, the last couple of records, and I'd argue probably the last maybe the last four or five records, they don't none of them start as like in terms of pace and as quickness, like none of them start as hard as this record starts. It is all like Two minutes, like, you know, two minutes, mm. one minute, 30 long. Yeah. Pure rage for the first couple, certainly for the first couple of songs. And then that kind of slowly but surely gets a, like, like a car running out of, like, like starting on fifth gear and then running out of petrol. And that's kind of what I feel. And, and I would get your kind of criticism for it slowing down to that point if Anna wasn't so fucking brilliant. What frustrated me about Anna being where it is is I didn't notice how brilliant it was until like the fourth listen because I'd really got bored of the record by that point on the first few record mm. listens. Like, and and funnily enough, the Calisteo Boys record does exactly the same thing, but it does it quicker and shorter and sharper. And I think better personally than this album. Right. Um, it, it, it actually starts with lots of short, sharp songs and then sort of the songs get longer and progress, more progressive, a bit more melodic, a bit more interesting. But that record's 34 minutes and this record's uh, like 50, 50, 52, something like that. Yeah. And by... It, it was like the Cajun fourth... did it on um, uh, White Silence they as well. Did. They did. They did. But yeah. again, they... Which I think is a better record. Th- which is a way better yeah, record. Yeah. And, it, and it's... and. And the, the the dynamics of that record are way, way stronger. I think that goes harder at the beginning than this does. And I think it goes lighter at the end than this does. Yeah, that's um, fair shout. You know, I'm not saying that you cannot do that with a record. And may and maybe, like, that is a perfectly good defence. And maybe you are right. Maybe it was a, a creative decision. But in my opinion, because I have, I'm bored of the record by about track 11, mm. it doesn't work. 
because I just feel it does a tepid sort of fart towards the end right. which is ridiculous because Anna is the best song on the record yeah I think but it, it took is. it took me it took me several listens to realize that because I, yeah I just I just think I, I do think it's honestly totally baffling I think there's lots of stuff on here which doesn't really need to be on there I was really bemused by the um extra dimensional palette cleanser like um the nod to tool the fayette diode thing it's just like why <laughs> like maybe that is the reason to make people go why but mm. i don't know thought it was shit um i own every single norma gina i know own every single norma gina album as a physical um up to and including wrongdoers and i have this one and polar similar as mp3 and in six months time when i go oh i'm gonna put some norma gina on I would be stunned if this is the record that I went to. I mean, I I, I will struggle to say that I, I'll be any different from you in that respect. Um, that doesn't make it a bad no, album. No, no, it doesn't make it a bad album. No. They're a band who have got, I mean... Their back catalogue is fantastic. Their back catalogue. I mean, I think I, I tweeted something back when I was allowed to tweet. Um, I, I tweeted something about how I think in this decade they are one of the if not the most a lot of them probably them and every time i die the most consistent hardcore yeah. band yeah like i really think that and i'll take like i mean i i would quite like you to go back and listen to polar similar because yeah. i think it's fucking brilliant i listen to polar similar similar more than I listen to wrongdoers now wow. and i listen to like i think those last two have been absolutely absolutely brilliant I, and I should you know even alongside similar. shit like fucking redeemer and you know um mm-hmm. The, yeah there's like fucking you know they, they have got an amazing back catalogue and um experimental and interesting back catalogue as well <coughs> which yeah. i just did not see loads of on this mm. or or the experiments didn't really work i didn't think i just you know and i want to i want to like because some people have held this as their best record i want to see what they're seeing but i don't see it it's definitely not their best record no it's no. definitely not their best record but you know band who release exclusively release good records release a good record yeah, yeah i still yeah, a good yeah. record yeah like i think if i were reviewing it now i think i'd give it a seven but mm. i don't but you know i think six is too harsh but um but yeah a seven for a normal gene record feels like a bit of a lose to be honest mm. be- and and that's that's because i like norma jean so much if that yeah. makes sense so yeah but, uh, in, i'm you know i'm I, to be honest with you i am if people saying this is their fucking favorite album of the year or something people are actually gonna start paying attention to norma jean oh yeah great. then i you know it's a weird you know it's weird that they wouldn't have done that for you know sort of seven years ago but if they're doing it then fucking better late than never yeah shame it wasn't when the band were actually norma jean mm-hmm. but uh yeah uh there we go norma jane uh all hell we did it you know whether you liked that or not um <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sorry um next record is my only instrumental record it is well done a winged <laughs> victory for the sullen uh, and the record's called the undivided five this is the third full-length album from the ambient duo probably one of the most ambient things i've ever brought in mm. um one's from brussels in belgium and the other's from berlin in germany a little geography lesson for you there um this was released by ninja tune we've covered them before because they've been taught when we've been talking about think in the cinematic orchestra and yeah. stuff like that this isn't strictly that kind of thing but yeah. i suppose you can sort of vaguely see the joins uh one of the guys in this band is also in stars of the lid who i've mentioned you have although, yeah. yeah very very ambient stuff uh this is inspired by the mystically tinged abstract paintings of hilma at clint and the all-female group the five to which she belonged 
uh, cheerily, it's a meditation on death. Um, I brought this in knowing full well that I didn't think you would care for it at all. Oh, really? Did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, okay, well, just I'll let you talk about it because unfortunately, you know, this is way out of the sort of thing that I usually listen to. I mean, I I was listening to it and I was like, essentially, this is classical music kind of modern classical music neoclassical music neoclassical music yeah for some um, reason, yes. so and at points it's really really beautiful oh so beautiful at points uh, you know but but not something i would usually listen to oh cool oh um, good i'm really happy but i did really enjoy it um it reminded me at some points of the donnie darko score oh okay yeah which there's nothing wrong with that that's no, good absolutely. um so uh, certainly very melancholy and esoteric yeah. and uh, ethereal which yeah. is all f- one thing i would say for albums like this and i don't think this is a criticism i'm pretty sure this isn't a criticism okay. um it's just a, an observation mm-hmm. but they wash over me to the point where picking out individual quote-unquote songs is not something i'm able to do yes. so i would only want to listen to this if i could listen to the whole In, thing yeah it yeah. feels like yeah. one piece of music rather than an album of, of songs yeah. and I don't think that is a criticism. And that's true of The Wall. You know, that's true of lots of albums that I really, really love. Um, But yeah, that's how I felt. So I, I, you know, for the most part, I'm either going to take all of it or none of it. I think this is, I think that's the manner in which one is meant to digest this music, not to sound wanky about it. Yeah. You've got to sound a little bit wanky when you're talking about bands like like these days. So to to give you an idea of how this is different to their previous stuff, this adds a few more analog synths to their usual orchestral sort of lushness. Um, It's very, very, very restrained at times. I suppose Mm. this is why I was a bit worried that it wasn't going to be for you i thought it might no beatdowns no beat no beatdowns no beat at, beat all. at all not 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 a single one um and you could even you could describe it as ambient drone music or certainly parts of it and mm. that would not be inaccurate but i do think that this is um it's really difficult when you're talking about this kind of thing because what what is better about this ambient drone than that ambient drone i don't know but, i think ambient drone feels a little bit off to me i've got to be honest oh, okay, because okay. I, I just because because it sounds so nice because yeah. it sounds so clean and it's so stirring you know like drone music and ambient music doesn't always feel like something that would sort of stir but this actually has got much more of a an uplifting quality to it i think that's a problem with the genre name yeah probably but 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 like but this is undoubtedly well, of like sono or something yeah yeah this is would undoubtedly fit into the ambient drone genre but yeah that's that's an issue with the name ambient drone um but um yeah i i, I just thought this was a really really good example of it and i i love this band anyway um and uh, <laughs> there was a quote that I found on the 405, which I just thought was quite funny, from someone called Todd Deadman, no relation. Huh. Um, he said, a winged victory for the sullen uh, produced breathtaking works of sumptuous beauty, which will no doubt bore the shit out of those who are not equipped with the patient's culture's competence and time to delve into the work properly. That sounds wildly elitist, but so be it. I mean, yeah, it does sound wildly elitist. Really elitist yeah. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't go that far. And I really wanted to avoid talking about it in that sense. Um, uh, so I brought that up. Um, but I do think this is a really beautifully sumptuous work, which um, a lot of people would... You, you have... 
you can just sit and let it wash over you and it will be a perfectly pleasant experience. But actually, if you do sit and listen to it, there's lots of very subtle variations that are happening, which are really, really lovely and interesting and beautiful. And it's mm. just very good. You can almost imagine, imagine it as like soundtrack music. But, you know, if that's a way into it, then great, because this is a really good example of the genre. We've yeah. had this and we've had um, Olafur Arnold's. I don't think they're the same thing. At I, all. I found this more dynamically interesting than Oliver Arnold, and I did, did I did like the Oliver Arnold record, but I just felt that had a level of subtlety which was far far below. Like you, I felt like you could sit and like say just enjoy it. Yeah. I felt like you had to really concentrate to to kind of to follow it. Whereas this, I actually found it not yeah yeah fairly easy to follow. That's really interesting because I would probably say the exact reverse about oh, really? those things. But I, but I love both. I, th- I think both records are excellent, and I don't think they're exactly comparable anyway. Mm. Um, maybe but, uh, my um, sort of constitution for this is just upping as we continue maybe, this podcast. That maybe. might be it. That would make sense. I mean, I'm really, I, I did, I genuinely thought that you'd just be like, no, nope, got nothing to say about this. <laughs> so I'm quite pleased that you that you're you're into it. Mm. I'm cracking the shell. Um, <laughs> an interesting smile yeah um but yeah I, I i think this is really beautiful stuff it's not going to be for everyone um if you like beat downs probably well no you, you like you can't like beat you can't have beat downs all the time this is a thing you know well, and this you, is this is you can this is the sort of shit like honestly this is the sort of shit that those bands that make beat downs this is what they listen to and I know that because I've been on tour with them. Because no, because bands don't. You've been like... on tour with Carnifex, haven't you? <laughs> I'm not saying I've been on, bands, on tour with all those bands, but you know, <laughs> it is like when you're doing your singer songwriting stuff and you supported fucking betraying the martyrs. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you don't like most bands. You you will agree with this. Most bands don't listen to what they play because no. because you're playing it day in day out. It's not that you don't like that music. You're just playing it day in day out, and you need something totally fucking different. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm outing him by saying this. Me and uh, palm readers Andy Gillen, hello Andy. We swap this kind of ambient droney shit all the time. We're just constantly like, you know, we make playlists for each other and all this, and like, oh, I've just discovered this new artist is really good. And it's all just like really chilled, lovely stuff it's lovely mm. maybe i'll give you a stars of the lid album one day then mm-hmm. but that is this elongated and over two hours oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's no rush shall we move on to the last album yeah let's yeah um this is a totally different kettle of fish and this came out today this came to out this. today yeah this is shamash hearts of no light and um, shamash i used to like the advert for that uh, with, <laughs> the with the aliens yeah <laughs> Um, this is the fourth full length album from the Switzerland based bombastic black metalers. That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, it's fair. Fuck me. Um, in a similar vein to, I mean, forgive my not massive knowledge on black metal, but I'd definitely say behemoth is in there, isn't it? Yeah. Rotting Christ. Oh, okay. Rotting Christ. As yeah. Well, a yeah. Bit, I think. Um, I thought a bit of death spell Omega uh-huh. and I might be going outside the reins of what I know, but maybe a bit of Triptychon as well. Uh, Ooh, he's not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's where my, mon- my knowledge begins to waver slightly. Twenty In 2016, Shamash released a triple album called mm. Triangle. The, did you listen to this? Did you know uh, about I it? I fucking tried to. I think um, right. Tom Dare 
right. tried to get me to listen to it. Yeah, and it was long. It, yeah, it's a good two hours. I think it's longer than two hours. I think it's about 140 minutes or something like that. And it's it's a it's it's a hell of an ambitious, mm. bonkers work. But yes, it blimey, it's long. Um, I was introduced to this band. They were the first band I ever saw at Roadburn. Uh, they opened the first Thursday that I went to, and they were on at 2 p.m. in a church. And they were playing Triangle in full. And I was like, oh, this is a bit much, isn't it? Um, and um, it was really good, but it was definitely one of those sorts of performances where I watched about half of it and then went, I'm going to go back and listen to that later. And Triangle was always a record that I've massively admired. Um, but I mean, did I ever fully get into it? I mean, a triple, a black metal triple album, which slowly segues into actually kind of instrumental sort of post-rocky yeah. thing towards the end is, is something that's probably going to take many people several years to get into so mm. you know i will get there one day but um but it was very ambitious and very very interesting um this feels like a fucking walk in a park compared to that doesn't it, it does and yet how broad i mean uh, you know two black metal bands that i brought in both probably totally anti-cult black metal stuff but this feels so bombastic and broad and diverse mm -hmm. and this is nine tracks 67 minutes so it's still you know a lengthy epic uh progressive record but yeah it does this feels like the hunter so yeah <laughs> in combat this does feel like there's that. so much on this record as well yeah. like they draw from so much from extreme you know there's there's death obviously black metal is a massive part of it yeah. and that kind of you know yeah, particularly Rotting Christy, heavy metal, black metal, you know, that kind of Greek heavy metal, black metal. And <laughs> I'm sure that's how they like it to be. <laughs> um, and, and that really kind of uber gnarly um, behemoth, like modern behemoth sound is there mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. I think there's bits of like folk metal in it. There's bits of kind of pagan metal yeah. in it as well. Yeah. There's bits of drone in it. There's yeah. kind of these ethereal parts. And then you've got the last, what's the last song called? Uh, Innermost, Lowermost Abyss. Yeah, which is bordering on lovely. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a post-metal song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 15 minutes, a song that should... A lot of, lot of uh, clean guitar. Yeah, a, a song that should outstay its welcome, but doesn't. Starts with this, like, has this brilliant tribal drumming. It's actually, when you say clean guitars, more specifically, it's a lot of Spanish guitars. Yeah. Uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish classic classical guitar is what yeah. i'm trying to goodness me i fucked that up now you did um, <laughs> um and um we'll live. how that song keeps my interest for 15 minutes i'm not sure but it really does it's, it's got us it's got they they do um when uh these kind of extreme bands get i mean we spoke last week about swans and i've still i can't stop listening to swans record it's fucking so great but you know swans kind of famously suck you into a vortex yeah and just swirl you around like you're in a washing machine like yeah. that's their their whole kind of raison d'etre mm -hmm. isn't it and um and i think that song does that and there are moments where this album at its best just swirls you round and round and round for I ages agree. and just sort of sucks you in and i was walking down the street uh on my way to work this morning listening to that last song i listened to it on, on the way into work which <laughs> is probably not always the best sort of mindset to get yourself in this kind of like unbelievably kind of gnarly arcane black metal yeah. sound. But um, when that last song came on, I was, I did just feel like I was kind of floating yeah. down the road and yeah, it's, 
I, we've had two kind of atmospheric black metal records come this week. Very yeah. diverse atmospheric black metal albums come in. And I think I would just, I think I would just pip uh, Numorian over this just. Really? Okay. Just, yeah. Um, I think it's a really hard... But it is a very, very... I yeah. think both of them are really good. I think they're both extraordinary. And for someone who isn't a black metal connoisseur and sort of dips my toe in rather than, you know, launches myself into it... Um, you know, I'm going to do a Stephen Hill here, but both of these records are now threatening my album of the year list. Really? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's relatively rare that that happens with black metal. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't I, like, I don't know if they actually will get in or not, um, but they are both, you know, I, 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 I'm a bit worried to say it because as I say, I don't feel like I'm an expert on this, but has there been a better black metal album release than this? Like, like this feels when people talk about, I don't know, whatever. No, no, no the, uh, sorry, this year. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> sorry, this year. <laughs> well, um, I've. To be, I, I mean, to I prefer honest, this. To, I know we haven't covered black metal extensively. No, especially not this year. There's not been a lot of chance to listen to much of it, to be honest. We're probably, and we had. are, we are probably not the people to ask, mm. admittedly. But for my money, it is based right. on the the, the the yeah small amount that we've listened to. I suppose. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I was going to say like I don't think I've listened to much in a way of. There's one that I'm bringing in. Mm, that's not as good as this. Uh, I was going to say I'm bringing in one next week, which will actually feel like a bit of a letdown <laughs> <laughs> really? after this. But you know, okay. fine. Um, after these, because these two, yeah, I think. I do. Th I mean, the Rotten Christ album has been very, very well received. I, I would say that's probably been the one of the most sort of well, probably the most well received record. I think the Her you know, I was really surprised at how much like the Heretics because I didn't know yeah. a lot about Rotten Christ beforehand, and I didn't think they'd be a band for me. Um, I do think both of these albums are better. I would agree. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, going back to um, Shamash. Uh, when they again it's great to hear raise like razors is the song oh, where i was yeah. like oh fucking hell that is like it's so brutal it's so uncompromising like that's the thing i kind of i mean i wonder would the true cult people like this i feel like probably not because it's beautifully produced the production on it is incredible because even when they're going full pelt and it's absolutely mad and there's it's a sonic assault there's you know you can hear like twinkling piano notes and stuff like everything's so clear mm. and crystal clean and precise um oh man this is like that's been a feature of sort of fairly modern black metal for a while now yeah but those true cult people don't like that do they <sighs> no <not really. laughs> so, no. so who gives a toss about them mm. but like you know i'm i i th oh i'm gonna just i think Outside of the black metal world, people see the Satanists as like the the like most incredible black metal record of of like you know this decade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the equal of it, isn't it? Isn't it better? Ooh. I think this is better. The, the Satanists, yeah. Oh, Renfrey, I've had this for like three days. I'm not fucking getting involved right, in fine. that shit. I, I I think this is. I think this does. Yeah, I think it's better. I don't care. I mean, I, I I can't even begin to have this conversation with you, to be honest. But um, I, like I say, I've only had this record since yeah, yeah, the weekend. Yeah. 
So what's that like four days that I've had it now? Yeah. I've probably list, I've listened to it three or four times. Like yeah. I said, I've been there to kind of power through. I think it's really good. Mm. Really good. I like everything about it. It's strong. It is very strong. Um, it doesn't immediately jump out to me as being something which would usurp the Satanist. I just, I, I hear all the things that Behemoth do so well, just done better. Really? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Maybe that's just, I don't know. But then, but then that maybe that's just my, like me just knowing shit all about this sort of music. I don't know. Well, no, you're allowed to think that. I'm allowed to think that. Yeah, Obviously. Yeah. Uh, and if you think that, then yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say to that, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, <laughs> I can't, I mean, the Satanist, okay. For the record, I think the Satanist is brilliant. Here's what I will (laughs) say, right? The Satanist has an aura about it, which this, which I don't initially don't feel this has. The Satanist has an aura about it. The first time I heard, um, I think I watched it before I heard the album, it's full, just watching the video for, uh, was it Oh Father, Oh Satan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when that got released, uh, or, uh, or Blow Your Trumpets, Trumpets, Trumpets Gabriel, yeah, yeah, um, when the video for Blow Your Trumpets Gabriel came out, yeah. and I first heard that first, just the first guitar chords come in, I remember being like, Poor, straight away, like fucking out. And I just had a feet, like it put a kind of, chill through my bones i was like whoa mm. and it might have been a bit of the visuals as well but i don't think so because you get it when you listen when i listened to the album in full for the mm. first time i was like whoa and i didn't get that with this mm. i did go this is great this is really mm. really good mm. but it wasn't something where i was like this feels like it's drawing from something you know music doesn't have to be technically it can be technically better but still not as good do you know what yeah I mean? no i do know what you mean and i i understand what you're getting at um, as esoteric as it sounds, but I do understand what you're getting yeah. at. So I think that's a pretty, pretty big shout. That okay, but you, you know, if you prefer it, you prefer it. Um, I stupid get. <laughs> I think I do, just because I think it's more dynamic and like the Satanist is. I I do agree that it does have some strange aura around it, which does make it like seem classic. Um, and, 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 and you know, I'm not saying it isn't, but um i just feel like when i listen to the individual things that shamash do i'm like well i think that's a behemoth kind of thing but probably done a bit better than behemoth do it and that's kind of yeah i just i don't know i i I think this is i think this is i'm i was surprised that i only heard of them like three years ago yeah you know um and obviously you know the 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 biggest bands in a scene aren't necessarily the best, mm. but, but this is kind of, I suppose this is what I'm wondering. I'm kind of going just because behemoth are like the, the, the black metal bands that everyone loves doesn't mean they're the best. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could, yeah, there's, you know, definitely like there's an aura around the black, black album, Metallica's black album, but it's not the best, but it's not the best metal album in the 90s or even of 1991 you know? no no but then that's surely down solely down to commercial performance maybe As i don't a, know and that, and that is also for people well hey look there I are a lot know. of people who just know behemoth and they don't listen to any other kind of death metal or black sure. metal so sure, sure, sure. yeah I, I guess it's a it's a pretty good comparison but yeah regardless this album's really good 
Uh, yeah, and and regardless, <clears throat> do you at least understand where I'm coming from with comparisons to those? I think it's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there, yeah, they're definitely comparable. Yeah, certainly, I think so. That's a pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty high. Yeah, you know, it's really, really good. This record. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think, it, I think it's absolutely amazing, actually, and it just makes me want to, makes me want to dive back into Triangle and see if I can try and get that record finally you know yeah but sure. um yeah there's a really really interesting band Shamash. i like them a lot good well there you go that's your 10 Renfrey. oh i didn't do too bad did pretty well thank you um do you want to go through them very quickly again Fuck just it, as a recap not? um let's do an old recap then what well, do you want there's... me to do it since no, I've got i'll it right do it there's julia yeah. jacklin um australian singer songwriter on a second album great storyteller and so on and so forth uh with her album crushing um, and then we have Way's Blood uh, with Titanic Rising. That was the album, which is number two on the Metacritic uh, albums of the year 2019. We don't quite agree, but it is quite good. Um, Numenorian. Ah, oh, fuck. I fucked it again. Numenorian. Yeah, yeah. The black metal band. The, the, the first black metal band. Numenorian. <laughs> Numenorian. Numorian. Numorian. Yeah. Yes, there we go. It's the awe that's fucking me up. Yeah. Numorian uh, with Adore, uh, second album from the Canadian Post Black Metalers, um, which I fucking love and is now a contender for, not a contender for album of the year, but it's going to be in my list, I imagine. Um, Sweet tagline. <laughs> <laughs> the world's longest tagline. <laughs> that was longer than some meta- reviews I have to do for Metal Album. Just the tagline. It's not saying a lot. <laughs> um, pile, off kilter, alt, indie, DIY, rock band, which are ridiculously difficult to categorise, but are sort of a bit like Fugazi, but Th- not. I think that's getting my gold star of your 10, to be honest. Lovely stuff. Um, the Calisteo Boys, um, probably the least irritating band in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> between them and broken side metallic hardcore <laughs> uh re- really interesting shit gift from god kind of thing like yeah. bit, with stuff which might annoy you um lightning dust canadian indie synth pop duo which has sort of shade a gothy version of broken bells shades of chelsea wolf and uh beth gibbons from port's head that kind of thing um and there's norma jeans all hail the eighth studio album from the band that aren't norma jean uh, <laughs> <laughs> a winged victory for the sullen the undivided five which is the wibbly wobbly ambient duo that i thought steve wouldn't like but it turns out he does like it because i'm breaking him down finally and shamash hearts of no light the fourth album from the switz uh black metal bombastic Better than Behemoth. Better, better than Behemoth. Remy yeah. Deadman, who knows nothing about Black Metal. <laughs> 2019. Right, well, there you go. Um, so that was Renfrey's pick for his 10 records that he wanted to talk about. Next Oof. week, I'm going to be picking 10 records. It'll probably be quite a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah, I, I imagine I it think. will be. Um, it will probably be Life of Agony, Kim Gordon, uh, Niall, um, JPEG Mafia. We're going to do all of them. Um, Kim Gordon? I didn't know you were doing Kim Gordon. Yeah, I think I will do cool. Kim Gordon. Have you listened to that? No, I'm not yet, but okay. I do want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's just a, probably what we'll be doing next week. Nice. Off the top of my head. Nice. Um, nice. And a few other little tidbits that you might not have heard of before. Um, and I want to give a shout out to our friends at musicism.net. Remember to go there to book yourself in for your courses. Get 25% off when you put the code RIOT in capitals in the checkout. And we will see you next week. Thanks, mates. Thank you.